What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. He could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in, in this draft. Welcome, everyone, to a freshly minted episode of Draft on Tap with me, Aldo Gandia, Neil Stopchinski, and Danny Shimon. I just want to start by saying this is the place to come to for lots of Chicago Bears draft information. It's not only what we're doing before the shows, but also on draft week. We are loaded with a planned 38 hours of draft coverage. That's right. We're going to be live on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll also uh, be uh, talking about the Bears draft immediately afterwards on shows on Sunday and throughout the following week. And, of course, we've got all our shows leading up to the draft and including that's our in our Patreon page where you get exclusive scouting reports from Danny Shimon and Greg Gabriel, the former director of scouting for the Chicago Bears. All of those reports tailored for the Chicago Bears fan, the Chicago Bears needs. So with that, let me bring in our guys one at a time. There's Danny Shimon wearing his Superman shirt. What's going on, Super Danny? Yeah, I put it on today because I feel like I did a super job on my mock draft. I, I went ahead, I went to town. I know Aldo's already hating on my mock draft, but uh, we'll get into it later on. But, yeah, so uh, I'm doing great, feeling feeling awesome. Uh, two weeks away, two weeks from today, if I'm not mistaken. I'm doing the math right there, carry this one, da-da-da. But, yeah, so two weeks from today we'll be on live. Uh, we'll see what, what Ryan Poles and company does. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, the beginning of this, this offseason, this is a, uh, a huge test, uh, a career-making offseason, in my opinion, for Ryan Poles. And, uh so far, he's out to a timid start, in my opinion. But uh, some people like what he's done. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to give him to the end of the end of the off season and see what happens. But uh, it's very important. A very important couple of nights coming up for Ryan Poles. Yeah, and along uh, with me busting on your draft, it's going to be this man here, Neil Stopchinski. Neil, how are you, my friend? <laughs> man, I'm doing awesome, dude. What a day! What a week! 
as well. I, I just want to ask Neil, how many Red Bulls uh, are you down so far? How many Red Bulls are you in? Uh, well, this is the only one for today so far. And I, I, I picked out the, the perfect one today so that while I take my sips, you can you could easily see, right? You see the branding right there, the logo, yeah. right? That's you, right. You're listening, Red Bulls. Yeah, the checks are coming from Red Bull now. That's all we're waiting for. Yeah, as, as I take the drink. Oh, man. Got my wings on, baby. Let's time to rock and roll. <laughs> I love it. Well, what, uh, we are going to take a look at uh, mock drafts here. Uh, Danny has uh, made uh, about 46 trades in his mock draft, and it's only a three-round mock. And uh, Neil stuck to the rules. It's called a mock. So you can mock it, right? That, that's the reason to call a mock. Give me something to, to mock. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I get you. <laughs> and we're also, I asked for uh, mock drafts from Barflies on social media. I did get one. And so J2K just submitted one? one. Yeah, yeah just one. I'm, I, wow. So guys, Barflies, I'm, I'm disappointed. I, I expect I at least five or 10 here. I, I'm disappointed too, but uh, maybe they can jot theirs down in the chat and I'll try to collect them. If you do uh, list your mock on the chat room, just the three rounds, uh, you are allowed to trade, but uh, it's got to make sense for me to read and put up on the screen. So, hey, uh, can I ask start? Epic King Foster what the hell that means? <laughs> Let's see what the hell. <laughs> Saddle sat, sat, up your I, fucking meatloaves, man. That Here's the thing. He's been asking all of the barroom show hosts to say that, so I don't know if he's maybe putting together a video or it's just for his jollies. I'm not sure. King Foster is the man, though. Um, Boy, he up your fucking meatloafs. <laughs> is that where we're supposed to be? I have no idea. No, no, I'm just like throwing shot out there, throwing, throwing shit on the wall, seeing if it sticks, right? There you go, Foster. Hope that works for you. All right, so why don't we start? Why don't we look at J2K's mock draft first to start with? That, that I think that'll be a good warm up. Now, we don't have to go through all of these picks uh, unless you guys want to, but clearly he traded out. Of the wow. first round, I was I was uh, a little too adventurous with my trades. <laughs> yeah, I, I this is my number one problem with this draft is that he has traded completely out of the first Damn. round, and I'm afraid that there's not a sure thing in this draft. Um, these right. are all good players. These are all players that could potentially be uh, great contributors to the Chicago Bears. Every single one of these guys. But I, I want a sure thing. I want a Paris Johnson, or I want a, um, you know, name name a guy in the defensive line that's a sure thing. Or Will Anderson. Uh, what do you What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I mean, these are these are all. I mean, uh, listen, I'm 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 the biggest Tuli Tuapalutu uh, guy. I'll, I'll bang the table for that guy, and and you guys will see later on what I do with with him in, in my in my mock draft, but. But he's a guy that that you know I, I I love him, but again he's his size is at two sixty six. He's a bit of a tweener, so he's a, he's a bit of a projection. You know he he played N at USC, very highly productive. Love his tape, love his effort, love everything about the kid. Uh, but again he's he's a projection, you know. So again like Aldo, if you're talking about a sure thing, I'm not sure. But yeah, dropping down from from number nine, he must have gotten some future future picks though. Uh, in, in, in future yeah. drafts, I'm assuming that's why he went that, that far on because your first pick is pick 41. Right. So, and, and Keon White, again, developmental player, a guy of converted tight end, you know, just had one real big season at, at Georgia Tech last year, a one year wonder. You know, Joe Tipman is, is a, is for me, a gap power scheme center, uh, a guy that, that the more you ask him to kind of, 
you know, maintain his blocks, uh, you know, the, the, it gets more harder for him there. So, uh, yeah, Isaiah McGuire, nice development other guy. Israel uh, Abedikanda, the, the running back from Pittsburgh, uh, you know, tailor made for the zone scheme, uh, you know, good, good potential there as well. Uh, Moro Ojimo, uh, good defensive tackle, rotational guy, but again, a guy that didn't really, uh, hasn't produced much, at, you know, at college, but I like the, um, the upside there with him. Josh Wiley, and I know a lot of people like him, but he's he's like a tweener. Uh, some have him as a, as a fullback that I've talked to, um, more of like that H-back kind of role. And Dylan Horn, I, I know he's a guy that that really came on, I think, you know, that Michigan game where he had four sacks, I think that that's going to probably get him drafted. But, man, that you know, I, I watched him at TCU, and and uh, it's just another guy that just doesn't really, you know, give him, you know, he's not athletic enough to stand up on his feet and be an outside linebacker. Uh, not, uh, you know, stout enough to be an edge rusher. It doesn't have the bend to be, you know, a guy that consistently comes off the, uh, off the edge for me. So, yeah, I mean, uh, of all the, of all these guys, the guys I really, really like is, is, is Thule. But uh, again, dropping off out of night, number nine, I'm, I'm curious what he got for future picks to, in order to do that. Yeah. I hey, just JK, asked what, for real, real quick, like you, you use your, your thumbs and your fingers and stuff. Tell us like real quick, what, uh, um, thing you used. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering that, too, because I love the graphic layout of the results of that. Uh, but uh, also, some of these services are, well, I, I won't say they're better than one another. Some are more robust uh, in terms of things that you can do. Um, uh, At least you didn't ask me to pay or register, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was I was looking for all these different services to use. Crop version. No. J2K. What 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 service did you use? A lot of these services ask me to like register or or to pay like six ninety nine just to be able to the NFL mock draft database. I, I was actually one I did not try to take it on to. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah just g g give me the, the the damn function on the website. Like, why do I have to give you my date of birth and you know blood sample just to be able to use? A function of the website. I don't understand this, but it's capitalism, you know, it, brother. <laughs> no, I, want, I mean I, I get want that. To sell your you info. Kind of nickel dime at the same time. You know what I mean? I hear you. But um, but what do you guys think about DJ Turner Turner at number sixty four? Because I like that pick a lot. I I've debated uh, in a couple of mocks that I've done as to whether sixty four is too high for him. But I, I love the speed. I love the coverage ability. He's a little bit undersized, and I know that with slot cornerbacks, a lot of defenses are going to a little bigger guys because. Uh, they're putting big guys in the slot to combat those little guys that they have uh, as as slot corners. What do you guys think about it? What do you think, uh, Neil? I mean, his ability to move, his, his his lateral explosiveness. Obviously, he ran one of the fastest forties in the history of the combine. Not that I take the underwear Olympics, you know, for anything more than a grain of salt. But I mean, it just proves, you know, that that the Duke can absolutely freaking roll. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he's he's a really interesting kid, you know. And but again, like you know, like you said, although there's there, there, there's a lot of guys on this list that, that would be nice to have, but you don't know if they're going to end up being dudes. You know what I mean? Like DJ Turner, 1,000%, stick him in a slot right away, put Kyler Gordon on, out on the island. And that that's probably the way you roll going forward. You, you're probably not going to have um, uh, 22 again back next year, you know, based on the rumors. You know, again, lying season, you know if that's true or not, but there, there's a couple guys that are that are floating around out there. There's guys that may not be back, one on the offensive line, one in the corner. Kendall Vildor probably not going to be back next year if, if those rumors are true. So, 
you got to bolster up that uh, that that uh, cornerback room. And um, DJ Turner would be a, would be a way I go. Another way I go would be taking uh, Julius Brents uh, around that that uh, area. I, I'd take the Darius Rush kid around that area. Um, maybe the uh, Jartavis Martin kid overdraft him a little bit around that area. Guys that you know will come in and make an impact right away probably as well. Um, and, and, you know, with, with, with Rush, you know, we, we saw it at the Senior Bowl, um, how he was able to uh, pretty much mirror route runners, you know, in, in, in drills and also in, in uh, you know, team action. Uh, he's a guy that could probably play, you know, both slot and on the island. So he's an interesting kid. I'm not saying he can for certain, but, uh, you know, he's just an interesting kid that way in what he's able to do, you know, fast, has great agility times, you know, really good explosion numbers. Julius Brands is a guy that probably I'd, He's, he's probably an island guy, but also could be a guy, you know, depending on what happens, you know, in, in, in the deep half there with uh, Eddie Jackson, could be a guy that could fill that spot going forward as well. So mm-hmm. really, really interesting things that you can do with, with that uh, potential DB spot there in, in uh, you know, tail end of the second, very early end of the third, depending on where we actually land with, you know, trades and other things that may happen. Now, this makes sense. J2K says that the graphic is clipped, and so we're not seeing who he took at 11. He traded nine for Tennessee's 11th and 41st. Okay, so he's got Paris Johnson, Keon White. Now, see, all of a sudden, now the complexion of this draft goes from a B minus to A minus. Yeah, because because he, he's got a starter in Paris. He's got a, a kid in Keon White, where obviously the you know the potential, you draft him potential there, draft him size. The kid's athletic, for a man that big. Again, he's another yeah, guy that was, that was misplayed, played at end. I think he could, he could possibly kick inside it to a three technique, possibly even one technique, depending on how much bigger it gets. But uh, you know, right now he, his his uh, fame, you know, claim to fame right now is his run defense. He's a pretty good run defender in there. Uh, not much of a pass rusher, so yeah. I mean, but you get a guy like Paris Johnson, so I, I can see, I can see where he went there. You know, I, I, I would have gone that high with Keon White just because you know I, I think there's some others that possibly give you a little bit more potential in terms of pass rush. But again, we got we don't know who was available. You know, he might have been best available on, on the board at the time at 41. So, yeah. and we're we're also playing the system too. You know, right. we're, we're we're looking at you know in in terms of relativity. Uh, I, I think both you and I, Danny, we use the same one, right? The PFN. Well, I, I tried. I, yeah, I, I I did use that. I I used PFF, but I mean, I I just tried to be because I went through like. Oh, I you say, paid a six ninety nine, didn't you? No, I did not. I I I hate doing these mock drafts, but just just for uh, you know you to be the out there. But uh, uh, I um uh, I did like twenty seven of these things, man, because they, they were just so unrealistic. Some of these things, I yeah. like they're they're whenever the third pick they they gave Arizona Christian Gonzalez, I stopped and restarted all over again. I was like that happened like so many <laughs> times. It's like. You know, there there were mocks where where Tyree Wilson was sitting there for me and Jalen Carter were sitting there for me. And I'm like, this I don't think it's gonna happen. You I know, had one where all happen? four that we were talking about last week were right there for me at nine. Yeah, Carter, it's, it's just, Wilson, again, uh, Johnson, and uh, yeah, Jones. The, all four the, the, were right there sitting. And I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, two weeks from tonight, Thursday night, first round is gonna be crazy because there's a lot of guys that are being mocked in these first rounds. That are probably not going to go in his first round. There's guys that are not mocked in his first round that are going to be going in the first round. So remember that a couple of years ago was that three years ago where the uh, Alex Leatherwood uh, uh, pick was made, and everyone's like, you know, we can have a couple <laughs> of those moments this, this year as well in the first round. So that 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 first uh, night, guys, tune in because we'll we'll have some some 
you know, reaction, I'm sure, as, as some of these picks come in. But, yeah, it's just uh, I, I did like 27, I, I swore 27, maybe 30 of these mocks just to get something yeah. real, more realistic. That's guys that are available. You know, if, if it didn't go one, two with quarterbacks, you know, I, I you know, I kind of stopped it. But if it were, I mean, one quarterback, two defensive player, then I kind of let it go on. But, you know, I, I just try to make it more realistic, you know. And that's the point. Like we, we you, you're doing these, you're kind of gaming the system a little bit because you're seeing where where these players go within the confines of the the kind of AI that's set up within these different, you know, uh, uh, you know, websites that you're going to doing these these mock drafts. And you know, none of it's realistic, but but you're you're also trying to game the system and and figure out the best combinations of of, of players that you could possibly get within the 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 realm of where you can get them. I, I did like 347 today and try to come up with something that was remotely realistic. And it was really hard, but um, you know, I, I think we got some fun stuff to talk about. If you can put J2K's uh, mock back up there, although sure can I got one more time. But one thing I, I do want to give him credit for J2K, you're, you're a man, man behind my, you know, on my heart there. Cause you went where I went when I went defense and, and, and offensive line, man, you, you attack mm-hmm. the trenches, you know, um, exactly. So I, I do appreciate that. You know, his first three three picks are all defense and offensive linemen. He's got another defensive lineman going in. in four going four in picks. Paris, yeah. Keon, Tuli, Joe. Those are four picks at, on the trenches. And then also five got, out of got, six. Uh, and he got Dylan Horton also on defense. So I, I mean, at least he won defense and offensive line majority. So I, I do give him props for that. Yep, totally agree. We uh, – uh, just got one submitted in from J-Rock. He's got Paris Johnson at number nine, number 53, Felix and Anduki Uzoma, number – wow, this looks familiar to somebody I know. Number 61, Julius Brents, and number 64, Joe Titman. Again, I don't think uh, – Tipping came in for a visit to Hallis Hall, but I think it's because, you know, he's within that uh, radius that allows for right. – visits that don't count and so they were doing due diligence i don't see him as a scheme fit but you never know as greg great gabriel says yeah. you know yeah that's, that's perfect that's the thing about tipman i mean i like him in t- for a power you know gap scheme you know, he's like he's a physical guy at, at the line of scrimmage uh but like i said lateral quickness is not as not his strength and, and asking him to you know elevate you know there, there are times where he, he just couldn't reach his second level linebacker uh when he was mm-hmm. asked to you know elevate so i think i don't think he's a he's a scheme fit but I also saw that the Bears brought in Dewan Jones from Ohio State, which that's something I, I was like, really? Uh, I, I don't know what that was all about, but oh, who knows? I don't know, man. This is perplexing. But that's a good draft there, uh, J-Rock. Not bad at all. Um, okay, let's get to uh, – let's start with Danny's. And, again, you know, uh, Danny put on his trader – Danny had on and uh, immediately started the draft with the trade. Trader Dan, uh, Eagles receiving the Bears' ninth, and in return, the Bears got their Eagles' 10th and 62nd. Then the Bears trade that 10th to the New York Jets for number 13 and number 43. And with that 13th pick of the NFL draft, Danny Shimon selects – Peter Skaronsky. I thought you were going to say it. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure where we were going there, but uh, yeah. So, so what happened here, guys? Was was at number nine. I was sitting there. Uh, you know, the guys I wanted: Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Paris Johnson. Believe it or not, they're all gone. Uh, so then I, I was looking at Broderick Jones and and Skaronsky and maybe Miles Murphy. And then I got my phone ring, 
and it was the Eagles. They wanted to move up one spot and willing to give me pick 62 for it, uh, which is a low end second round pick. I'm like, you know what? One spot, fine. Cause I figured I'll at least get an offensive lineman here if, if not. So then I went down to 10 and then as I was ready to make the Broderick Jones pick, I got a call from Joe Douglas and he said, listen, I got Aaron Rodgers coming. I need a, I need a tackle. I need your pick. And he ended up giving me, uh, I believe pick 58, if I'm not mistaken there, uh, pick, I'm sorry, pick 43, which is, which is in that, that, you know, high second round range. Uh, and you know, the one thing that I did notice if not making these trades, when, if you sit from nine and you wait till 51 for your next pick or 53, whatever it is, it's a long ass wait and a long oh, ass sure. players are going. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that Ryan Poles is going to try and, and trade down and he's going to try and get that recoup something in that middle. Cause that's a long ass way. You have a lot of players just kind of going off the board there as you wait for the drop down to you. So anyway, I, I made these two trades and the, the best available player, I was looking at either Peter Skaronsky or going with a guy like, uh, you know, another, I think a defensive player was out there, but, or, or Darnell Wright actually came up to my mind as well as another guy, a right tackle, a pure right tackle uh, with, with fiddle need, uh, doesn't have the, the length I like in my tackles. Uh, while he's a, he's a good athlete going, he's a straight line athlete. His lateral agility wasn't what I wanted. I saw a lot of waist bending on his tape. I know he plays mean, he plays nasty, which I do like about him. Uh, but I, I, I went up going with Skaronsky and I know he's going to be my left guard. But I just figured, you know what? They brought in Nate Davis to play right guard. They've kind of already said that. They've thrown Tevin Jenkins out, saying possibility at left guard. To me, that that signals that that they're not really, you know, gonna sit there and wait for Tevin Jenkins, you know, because they can't rely on him. So I think you bring in a guy like Skaronsky who who plug in at left left tackle, be a plug and play guy. I'm sorry, left guard, be a plug and play guy next to Braxton Jones. You have to solidify your left side of the of the offensive line, and now you have the right side to take care of in terms of right tackle. Uh, whether you're going to have Tevin Jenkins out there battling with, with a Leatherwood or you're going to go ahead and get a, a veteran after the, after the draft or maybe pick one up, another right tackle prospect in this draft. Uh, you know, so that, that's, that's the area that I would then concentrate on after making this pick. But at least I secured the left side of my offense, offensive line with, with this pick. And I, a guy that, you know, if he's going to be, if not all pro, he's going to be a Pro Bowl player, you know, a couple of times at least in, in his career with, with Skronsky. Neil, what do you think about uh, this? You know, I, I frankly, I have not given it a, a lot of thought to drafting Skaronsky, uh because there's depth right now in the middle of the line and there's a bigger need at that right tackle position. But Danny seems to, to me, it's, he's making some sense in terms of solidifying the left side of the line. But it does also appear that you still now have a lot of work to do. Uh, because you still have to find your right tackle, which I was hoping to land in the first round. Your thoughts, Neil? I, I did have Peter Skaronsky in one of my 587 draft uh, mocks that I made up today. I thought it was 327. Um, it just went up? Do what? I thought it was 327. It just went up to 500. You did 200 while we were, I was talking? Keep He's been attention. drafting day and night. Keep paying attention. Um, you know, I had – there, there, there were certain um, certain situations that came up to where it didn't make a lot of sense based on how the runs on certain positions were going, especially early. Um, and also, once you get in sort of that middle first round area, which sort of to me felt like a little bit of a, a little bit of a no man's land. Um, if you're if you're forced to take a guy there, I'm gonna go ahead and probably take the best, uh, you know, tackle and or inside offensive lineman available, interior offensive lineman available. And Skronsky made, 
you know, a decent amount of sense in about three of those 625 that I did today. Um, think about it is like, I, I, I agree with Danny a lot in the sense that Skronsky is going to be your long-term guy. You know, these other guys that we have are not going to be your long-term guys. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the guy that we brought in, uh, Nate, uh, what, Nate Evans, Nate, Nate Davis. Davis, Nate Davis, uh, He's he's gonna fill the need for you know the time being, but I mean if if you're planning for the long run, that guy is probably eventually gonna move to the right side, and Peter Cross is gonna be the left side guy. If Nate Davis you know kicks around for the long term, that you know, that being said, um, I like the kid a lot. Like I said, you know, a week ago, like I I would be upset if we took him at nine, knowing that there's there's four other guys that are on the board that we have talked about at length at nauseum. <laughs> rather that uh are are better fits for our immediate needs right now um and again not nothing against the kid nothing against the player nothing against the program nothing against having that that human being but uh if if if, if you're in a situation where you're taking a, a pick at nine and not in in the middle of the first round um and you and you, and you take peter skaronsky over a guy like you know broderick jones or paris johnson or tyree wilson or and, you know, Jalen Carter is still there. We don't really know what's going on inside House Hall right now, what the thoughts and, and opinions are. But, you know, let, let, let's go ahead and assume that Jalen Carter checked all the boxes on his visit. You got four guys sitting right there in theory. Any one of those four guys that pop up, you might be making a decision between two of them, maybe three of them. I, I think there's a snowball's chance at hell you're deciding between all four of them. But taking Skaroski over any one of those guys, I think would be a bad move in the middle of the first round. Solid move, knowing that you have a long-term guy at left guard. And then one thing, just to ask, uh, uh, answer a question at the chat, I, I, I took him. I am a proponent of arm length. And that's why Scaronzi is being drafted to play left guard, not tackle. And to Correct. Neil's point, if he was, if he had the arm length, he would be a top 10 pick. But because I'm playing him at guard, I'm, he's not a tackle for me. That's why he's dropping down. And, and, and at least for me, that area 13 was, was a good play. A good area where I can, I can get a starter that I know will be a plug-and-play starter for me. There are some defensive players off top of my head. I can't remember. There are some corners where I thought about, but I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go corner for, you know, uh, again this time. Or I'm, I'm, there's a ton of depth in corner. We can get some corners in the second, third round. You know, we don't have to worry about getting this high with the corner. The other thing, it was defensive line, and it really wasn't a defensive line guy out there because besides Jalen Carter, there really isn't a defensive tackle that, that you want to just scream in, in terms of first-round talent. So, you know, it was the edge guys and the edge guys that I was thinking about, you know, the Miles Murphys, the the, the um, Tyree Wilsons, you know, those guys were all – Andersons were all gone. So that's why I figured I'm going to get a starter. It's going to be a left guard. It's not a popular position. But when he's making Pro Bowls and you've solidified the left side of your of your side for your right-handed quarterback – I think that's that's a, that's a huge get there for for polls if this this trade this scenario actually played out. It's solid that right there. Although not not to you know over, overcut you or anything, but like J Rock's talking about Dewan Jones with his adult weight. All that weight that he has on him right now is bullshit, baby. You know, immature weight, and he's going to mm -hmm. have to you know shape up and become an adult and shave all that off. And basically reconstruct his body composition for him to mm -hmm. be functional in this league. He's not going to be playing at the current weight that he is right now. He's gonna he's not going to be playing anywhere close to four hundred. You know, oh. if, if if I could, if I, if I could draw a sport parallel, um, Zion Williamson right now is not playing because he has a bunch of bullshit baby immature weight on his body. 
and is causing further injuries. But, Dewan I mean, Jones, Jones had gotta, to dip out. What's that? Dewan Jones has like 18 babies, baby you know, weight on his body. <laughs> I mean, that's how. Yeah, Dewan, yeah. Dewan Jones bowed out of the senior bowl early because, you know, he had a stupid injury that he probably would have been able to avoid had his conditioning and his nutrition and, you know, his, 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 uh, you know, general way he goes about things been on point, but you know, it's not because he showed up to the senior bowl 30 pounds over freaking weight. So, um, that, that's going to be fixed and that's not going to, not, not going to be the, you know, the weight that he plays at as long as he grows up. Just want to make that point. Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's 400, almost 400 pounds. I think he came in at 376 to combine. I mean, how much are you going to drop 70 pounds? Are you going to drop 40 pounds off of him? I mean, I, I, what, what you going to do? You know, he's just, he can't move athletically. I, that's the thing. It's, He's a good athlete if he lost some weight, but I mean, for as big I, as he is, the dude can move. But you know, I, he, but he's, he's got to drop a ton of weight agility. for him to be able to be functional. That's why, I like, I'm not even sure why they even brought him in because he's obviously not. As, I mean, someone made a good point. If you're not going to sign Orlando Brown, who who could play right tackle for you now, again, he he was animate. He was playing left tackle, Brown. That is, and maybe that's why he wasn't a fit. But I, I was told before he's not a scheme fit. You know, Orlando Brown's not a scheme fit. If he's not a scheme fit, I don't know how. Dewan Jones could be a scheme fit, but you know, we, mm. I digress. We'll, we'll move on. Well, Leonard Brown could have been potentially interesting at right tackle now. Yeah, he's, he'd be a good right tackle. I just I don't want him at left tackle though. And he he was adamant yeah, exactly, that's... and especially not at that not not, not at that uh, at that that price tag either. Right. But we're we're talking about things that don't even matter right now. Indeed. All right, Don Burr in the chat. Say that Don again. Burr? Is Don Burr in the chat? I just saw Don just yeah. put something up there. Yes, All right, Don, is. welcome. Yeah, yeah. Tyree Wilson will be the first defensive player taken. I agree. Probably going number two to the Texans is, is what, what I'm thinking right now. We'll mm -hmm. see what happens. Well, uh, we'll talk about Tyree a little later because I got a story to share with you about that. But let us move on to Danny's – or excuse me, yeah, Danny's second pick, uh, the 43rd pick. Second round, it is Felix Anodiki Uzoma, the defensive lineman from Kansas State. Danny? Why do you like this guy? Again, this is the pick I got back from the Jets for trading down. Uh, you know, Felix Anduki Uzuma is, is a guy that, you know, un, again, undersized, bit of a tweener, you know, 6'3", 255, you know, 33-plus-inch uh, arm length, so he doesn't have the, the measurements to, to be a down and down out defensive end. But, I mean, I mean, he's got, you know, that quickness off the edge, the bend I look for in my edge, my pass rushers. You know, he's a, uh, the 2022 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. You know, uh, he had 11 tackles for loss, eight, eight and a half sacks this past season. So coming off of an 11 sack season the year before. So, and he's a guy that, what I love about him, he's got eight forced fumbles, guys. And the way he bends that corner, comes around, he's got the, the knack to be able to kind of reach out and knock the ball out of the uh, the quarterback's hand. So you know, he's a guy that that brings you pressure off the edge and, and has a neck, again, just for getting that football out. And I just think, you know, edge, you know, I, again, sacks is what we're talking about here. We're talking about a team that, that needs – to get pressure on the quarterback and, and from what was available on the board, he's a guy that was just sitting there screaming edge rusher and a guy that, that can come in and, and, and be an impact player. I feel in his first year, again, speed off the edge, bendability doesn't have the ideal length that I look for, but you know what? He makes up for it. His tape is just phenomenal. And again, that, that added bonus of just being able to get that knack to get that football out of the quarterback's hand, again, eight forced fumbles in, in his career at, at, at uh, Kansas state. I just couldn't pass him up. What do you think about that, Neil? Love it. Love it. Um, had that guy in uh, a, a couple of different iterations of my 703 different mock drafts I did today. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in the, the ones that we did, you know, Felix, um, 
it was like Felix and Derek Hall and A Squared and Keon White and Will McDonald and those, those all five of those guys generally were were around the same, you know, pickable area. And it was just a matter of you know where within the certain iterations they they, they fell. Um, love this kid a lot. I think he's a you know one hundred percent absolute fit. I think we talked about him several times on this show. Um, they said that he didn't have that great of a, of, of a pro day, which you know, I don't think that's anything to to knock a kid. But the way that that's coming out, it almost seems like you know somebody's trying to get him to drop a little bit, you know, exactly. lying season, as you will. But uh, you know that 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 kid was one of the reasons why Kansas State was so damn good and beat you know TCU for the Big Twelve title this year. So he's a uh, he's a he's a freaking stud. Would love to have him. All right. So then Danny comes back and he makes and another trade. trade. I trade down four spots with Dallas and I get an extra pick and I go down to number 58 and I get my guy. And I told you earlier, I would be in any draft room. I'll be pounding the table for Tuli Tuopolutu. I love this guy's film. I love this guy's energy. Uh, the only thing, I, it's, it's his size. He's a tweener. He comes in at 200, I believe came in at 266. He's 6'3", mm -hmm. uh, 32 one-quarter arm length. So I, for me, he played end. He played edge at, at USC. And, and But when you put on his tape and you see when, when he slants and he has the ability to get skinny and get in between, get in between uh, blockers and get into the backfield and make plays, uh, the guy had 22 tackles for loss last year, 13 and a half sacks. I mean, the tape, the production is there. The only thing not there is the measurable, is, is that size. And I always harken back to what Greg Gabriel told me in terms of Henry Melton. He was a guy who came to Texas as a running back. They made him a, a defensive end. The Bears drafted him. I believe he was at around 250-something, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't want to misquote Greg there. But he was he was in, in that range in terms of Thule. And they made him into a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. I think it was up to 280-something, maybe you know, right around two high 270s. And I think that's the same thing I see with Thule is just the, his, his ability to be able to be destructive or be, be very disruptive in the middle of that defensive line is what I see. I love about him. Uh, I love his bloodlines. His brother plays for the Eagles currently. Uh, his his cousin is is uh, Huofanga, the, uh, the the safety from from the the 49ers. So this is a guy that on and off the field just brings it. And uh, again, I'd, I'd be pounding table for this kid. Any mock draft I do, if I can get a chance to get this kid on the roster, I would do it. I absolutely love this kid. So you you think he can make the uh, transition to a three tech? Yes. He's got the twitch. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the quickness. Like I said, the only drawback again is just the size, you know. And and even on run plays at USC, there are times you see him get washed out. But I think if you once you get a little bit more stronger, uh, work on his technique and be able to kind of take on and, sh and stack and shed a, at a more consistent basis, I think he's a guy that can be a guy that that can won't kill you in terms of run defender, but definitely can, a guy that can, can penetrate, get upfield, get into those gaps, and make and create havoc into the backfield. At 266 pounds, how much more weight does he need to add to get to that ideal three-tech well, weight? Ideally, I want him I want him as close to 280 without taking away any of his quickness. So if he adds 10 pounds to his 276, you know, you know, whatever he feels comfortable with. Because again, he's his his twitch, his his ability like get past the, the guard, his swim move. I mean, there's times they have him standing up like an elephant defender. Think of Jason Taylor back in the heyday, and all of a sudden he, the ball snap and his timing is impeccable. He comes in with a swim move, and the, the guard and center have no idea what's going on. He gets right in between there. He, he's into, into the lap of the quarterback, basically taking the handoff from the quarterback. So, I mean, that's the type of quickness he's got. Uh, just and now coach him up, get him stronger. Again, just getting into that backfield, make some plays. I, I think that's that's where this kid can shine. Any thoughts on to lead Neil? Love that kid, man. 
you know, he, he's got that perfect kind of athletic ability to where you move him, you know, a, a spot inside to three tech. And, you know, that, that, that dude should absolutely, you know, you know, cause a bunch of problems. You know, the thing is like he, he brings a lot of experience across all positions, you know, in, on the, the defensive line. He, he played the one before he's played the seven. He's been as, as, as heavy as like, I think 296 pounds. And he, he weighed in the combine at 266. You know, he's, he's got some twitch. He's got explosiveness. He's naturally strong, has excellent play strength. Um, you can see him torquing guys at, at the line of scrimmage, uh, both on the inside and the outside. Um, you know, and, and again, like Danny said, great instincts, great, uh, you know, great, great timing on, um, on, on the ball. Um, love, love that kid. I think that, you know, like Danny said, if you get him, you get another 10 to 15 pounds in that kid. Now, now you're really kind of cooking with gas, I think for three technique type dude. Very good. All right. So now we move to, uh, what, three, four picks later. And Danny chooses the kid from Wisconsin, Keanu Benton. Tell us why, Danny. Yeah, Keanu Benton, originally when I when I scouted this kid's tape, I'm thinking, oh, this guy would be a perfect run te- one technique in the system. He's a guy that's a beast in terms of the run defender. A guy that can occupy blockers. Again, at, at Wisconsin, he was two-gapping a lot. He was just taking on blockers. Uh, you know, first his stats won't jump out at you. He had only four and a half sacks last year, you know, ninth for his career. So he's not a guy at, at Wisconsin that, that really – you know, brought that pressure. He was more, known more for just being a, a solid, really good run defender. But, man, we went down to, to the senior ball, and this kid was was quick. And those one-on-ones, you know, he's got a short ability to get up into the backfield. And you saw, saw up some upfield potential there. And now I'm just saying, like, you know, worst-case scenario, he's a one-technique guy that can come in and, and be a permanent replacement. I know they, they signed Andrew Billings to a one-year deal. Come on, that, that's just a stopgap veteran. This is a guy that can be a one-technique and be a run-stopper for you. If not – you know, a guy that can also you can probably utilize him. If what I saw at the Senior Bowl tra- translates over to the next level, he's a guy that can also get back into the backfield and, and create plays. I think this guy's going to have a better career um, in the NFL than he had at, at Wisconsin. And, and already he was a damn good run defender. I think he's going to be a potential to be a run defender and a guy that can bring some pressure. You know, even if he doesn't become the guy that gets consistently into the gaps and into up the back, you know, into the backfield, a guy that can bull rush the center and, and walk him back into the, into the uh, lap of the quarterback. And again, I'm just thinking about the future of, of this team here with, with my, my three picks here, right? I got an edge rusher. I got a one, a three technique and I got a, a one technique. And again, I'm, I'm putting where my, my money where my mouth, you know, my, my mouth is I'm, I'm saying I want defense and offensive linemen. And that's what I'm attacking here. And I th- think I've gotten potentially three starters here with these last three picks. Nice. You like that pick, uh, Neil? Yeah, yeah. We, we we talked about him before as well. Um, late bloomer, you know, kid. Had, you know, his best film, you know, came uh, towards the end of the year. Um, showed up really well at the Senior Bowl. Great size. Uh, you know, great explosiveness. Great twitch. You know, strong as hell. Kind of kind of the same way of, of uh, a squared a little bit. You know, he's he's a guy that's not going to blow you away with his college film, but. You know, you you start putting him in drills. You start putting him in situations to where he can actually excel and use use the traits that he has to uh, get home. You start you start falling in love with this kid a little bit more. You know, um, I, I would I would love to have that kid in Chicago. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we move now to which pick you got? Oh, number sixty-two. 62. Now you're going cornerback. You feel comfortable digging a quarterback out at sixty-two? Yeah. Just looking looking at my board. I like I said, I've, I I feel like I've got four potential starters. I got a, I got a starting left guard. I've, I've got a, a, a edge rusher. I've got a, a three technique, and I got a, a one technique here. Now I'm thinking, all right, we need a nickelback. See, uh, you guys or not you guys, but a lot of people are saying the Bears need corners, and and I agree. But I think I think for me, Kyle Gordon, I scouted him last year as an outside corner. I know they moved him inside. I know some people want to give him another shot inside. I think he, he is best 
on the outside. So I think with Jalen Johnson and Caligori uh, on the outside, we need a nickel corner. And, you know, uh, this is where this kid, uh, uh, Clark Phillips from Utah, comes in here. Uh, the, obviously, the size is going to be the biggest drawback. 5'9", 184 pounds, sub-30 inch arms. Uh, but the kid, if you put on his tape, first of all, the guy's a ball hawk. I mean, this guy's got, has had 21 pass defense in, in his career, uh, uh, nine interceptions, six last year. Okay. He was the 2020 uh, Deep Pac 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's gotten four touchdowns. So he's got four pick, six, uh, pick sixes already. So he's a guy who, when he gets the football, he knows what to do with it. Again, I'm, I'm kicking him inside to the slot. I like his, I like his athletic ability. I like his feet. I like his hips. They're loose. Opens up his gate easily, turns it, and, and can stay in phase with it with a uh, with a uh, with a receiver. Uh, he's tough, you know. Uh, that coach down there in Utah, these Utah players come to an NFL tough, ready-made, you know, uh, aggressive football players. And he's a guy that, you know, while he's only five eight, sub, you know, one ninety in terms of weight, he's not a guy that backs down from anybody. You see him going in there and trying to make a tackle and and, and not back down from anyone. So. I love the athleticism. I love the coverage ability. He plays good man off, off coverage as well. A guy that that's smoothness transition to be able to plant his feet and come forward. Uh, everything you like in the system uh, for a guy that kick inside to be a, to be a nickel corner. So I think that the value there for him was, was way high. And I, again, I love the ball skills. I love the guy that, that can, you know, pick the ball off and then take it back, you know, the distance. So four pick sixes in his career. Um, you know, I think coaching staff wants to see this, see this kid and what he does in terms of getting his hands on the ball, the ball production. I think they're going to love him as well. So I think I got another starter here as my nickel corner with, with uh, Clark Phillips. Got to like the yeah. pick, right, Neil? Yeah, I love Clark Phillips. And, you know, Cliff Victoria, that, that uh, um, chat that you put up there reiterated with one of the points that we made. At, it was at the last show, the show before, about how, you know, Ryan Poles was talking about one of the first press conferences uh, as, as we were going into the offseason about the type of positions that he was going to prioritize, the uh, the, the special positions that, that needed to that needed to be addressed and were actually like, you know, premier positions in his eyes and, uh, you know, different types of things that we needed to address this offseason um, across the offensive defensive line were, you know, one of those areas and, and corner was another. And the fact that we did not address cornerback and free agency meant to me, indicated to me that we were going to go ahead and address that in the draft. And uh, that, that nickel spot has been a bitch for us for the past, you know, God knows how long we, we, we it's just been a revolving door <laughs> trying to find guys to play the nickel position. And ever I love his Bryce pick. Left, it's been, ever since Bryce Callahan left. It's, it's been, yeah. a, it's been a, a bad. Yeah. You know, this, this Clark Phillips kid, it's what I call a spider. You know, he's he's got he's got multiple agility. You, you feel like he could be in five different places at once. The way that kid moves laterally, his quickness, his ability to transition, his hips, how fluid they are. You know, typewriter feed. I mean, that, I, I love everything about this kid. Um, and I, if we if we uh, can go ahead and throw that kid in our, in our uh, nickel slot right now, <laughs> I think we'll be in good shape. All right, very good. So I think we got another trade coming up for uh, Danny. It is the Bears receiving the 66th pick from the Arizona Cardinals plus a fourth rounder in 2024 in exchange for the Bears 64 and 218. So in essence, the Bears are moving back down two spots and uh, giving up their uh, 218th pick for the Cardinals 200, or excuse me, uh, fourth round pick next year. And with that pick, Danny selects Marvin Mims. Tell us why, Danny. This is a receiver that that 
if you guys are our Patreon customers, you guys have seen my scouting report on this kid. I absolutely love this kid. He's one of these sleeping diamond guys and and, and the guys that go in third day three of this draft, possibly you know late day two, like like here the scenario. And and then you know three years from now you're gonna be like, damn, how did this kid last this long? So, you know, 5'11", 183, uh, four three eight speed, you know one five five ten yard uh, split. 39 and a half, almost a 40 inch vertical, 693 cones. He's got the shiftiness. He's got the big, big playability. Uh, you know, this is the guy that that gives you that that ability to get down the field, to stretch the field. Now, again, receiver for me right now might be a luxury pick here this early, but I, I think with the maneuvers I made, and I think again, I'm not saying Ryan Poles is going to have this many picks in the first three days or first couple of days, but you know, I, I do anticipate him making some trades, uh, moving moving back, you know, recouping some of those that collateral he, he lost there. So I think you know, a receiver could be an option here for him as well. Because I mean, remember we have. You know, Claypool and Mooney both coming into their final seasons in terms of their contracts. You know, uh, chances are they're signed one, not both, right? So you need someone in the a young player in the pipeline. And I think Marvin Mims gives you what what they've been looking for. He's looking; they're looking for a guy that creates separation, whether it's vertically or horizontally. A guy you can get the ball in his hands on slip screens, bubble screens, any any of these you know quick playing, quick hits. And I think this is a guy that can, that can get you know make something happen with the, with the football in his hands as well. So uh, also, also gives you some, some uh, punt return uh, ability as well and, and some kick, uh, kickoff return experience as well. So uh, it gives you some of that added bonus. So if he doesn't come in and, and contribute right away on, on offense, you know, he's a guy that could potentially be a punt returner. And we, you know, we saw last year how, how Bayless Jones was at punt returns, you know, until the end of the year, it was, it was a uh, uh, number 18, uh, the receiver uh, that that's not going to be, I forgot his name uh, guys, 18, um, the receiver last year for the Bears, number 18, punt returner. Oh, Pettis, Dante Pettis. Pettis, Pettis, was, yeah. Was the punt returner. He's probably going to be gone. So, you know, Bayless Jones probably doing kickoff return. So you need you need a punt returner. I think this is where this kid comes in and fills in. So so you have potential there of, of a guy that come in and give you some big, some big plays on offense and specialized, you know, design plays, and also a guy that can be a punt returner potentially in special teams. So that's why here I pull the trigger on, on a kid like Marvin Mims Jr., a guy that will bring, again, big play potential to offense. Yeah. Thoughts on Mims, Neil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, that that's a guy that can come in and immediately give you some help on special teams in another position that's kind of been a revolving door for us. You know, if you can find a guy that can hold down the return game, uh, you know, you're you're in good shape. You know, flip the field, find some guys that that can uh, you know score touchdowns. You know, house it. You know, whenever they get the rock in their hands, kids got a lot of electricity about him. All right, J2K loves Mims too. So uh, let us move on with Danny's draft. Uh, this is a three-round uh, draft, so we are on pick sixty-seven for uh, <laughs> for Danny. No, I'm taking about as long as uh, first three rounds of the draft would take. Here we go. Exactly. So with this I, I final, I've, I've I've done it a great deal, and Herdom's helping this team right now. All right, I'm telling you right now, this, this team is looking better. <laughs> If you can pull off these trades, then, then yes, I would agree. At number 90, uh, the kid out of pit, offensive lineman Carter Warren. A lot of people in love with this guy as a mid-round draft pick. Tell us why. Right. So, so, Neil, I uh, agree with me. The last couple of years, if you want tough football players, you go to Utah and you go to Pitt. And that's where you get tough football players. And, and Carter Warren is a guy, 6'5 and a half, 3'11", 35-plus inch arm length. 
Uh, a guy that that's, that's played as a four-year starter, a left tackle, started 39 of 40 games. So he's got that experience. Uh, you know, he's got the length you're looking for. He's got the quickness. Uh, the, the only thing for me is, is I'm going to kick him in over to the right side. And I, and you would say, oh, well, he started four years of left tackle. Yeah. But I, there, there are times where they, they did the, uh, the heavy load and, and they moved them over to right tackle and, and, and basically in the middle of the game. And he was like an extra tight end and stood there and, and protected pass blocked and, and at the right side as well. So didn't seem like to bother him at all. So I, I think this is a guy that can come in and flip over and, and be your right tackle, potentially come in. Like I said earlier, battle. Uh, for a chance to start at, at right tackle with whether Tevin Jenkins, Alex Leatherwood, or, or if it's a, a veteran for agent to be named later. Um, you know, they went with a rookie left tackle last year uh, out of Southern Utah. I, I don't see why they wouldn't go with a rookie uh, right tackle this year out, out of a, you know, a power five, you know, conference. Again, it's got the size, got the length, got the foot quickness. He's actually a better pass blocker than a run blocker for me right now. So I think that's an area where he's another guy that's going to have to get stronger in terms of his core strength and, and just be better at moving people at the line of scrimmage. But in terms of pass blocking, I think, you know, I love his long arms, I love the way he strikes and, and he uses his arms in, to, in pass pro. And again, he's got the, the lateral agility to be able to slide and protect the mirror and pass protection. And I think this guy comes in and can compete, could win that starting right tackle job depending again, who he's going to be going up against. So I, I feel very good about having this, this kid come in and, and I see compete for that right tackle spot. Carter Warren, Neil, are you in love with him too? Yeah, that's actually a guy that I need to do more, uh, more work on, but I 1000% agree with you. I don't know how many times I've said on the show that, you know, if I want toughness, I'm going to go to Pitt. I'm going to go to Utah. I'm going to go to San Diego state programs like that. It, it, it's in their blood, you know, to have those different types of guys. So, um, Temple is another you know, one there too. Temple tough. Yeah, well, one one specific coach, you know, came up with that, and it, it left in in a, um, a year and like six months. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I guess. All I right, guess. let's turn over to uh, Neil's mock now. Again, as Neil said, he said I, now you guys know why I wear Superman shirt because I think I did a super job in getting these Bears team back on back on the right track here. You took up a super uh, amount of time, too. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of trades. I was busy. My phone was ringing. I had two phones going at the same time. <laughs> Four trades, two phones. That's not a bad combination. All right, Neil sent me a bunch of drafts. I picked one, uh, and but he can comment on any of the other ones. Let's start with the one where you picked Paris Johnson at number nine. Neil, take it away. Okay, so we're, we're, we're going with that one of my 816 drafts. All right, yeah, but, I mean, you know, listen, again, Going back to what I said last week, there are, there are four guys I could see us picking at that number nine spot, and it's Paris Johnson, it's Broderick Jones, it's Tyree Wilson, or it's Jalen Carter, again, if we feel good about, you know, the kind of impression that he made in the meeting room during his visit, you know, the kind of questions that he answered, the, the you know, how, you know, upfront and honest he was about situations, and, and uh, you know, really, when it comes down to, is this kid full of shit or not, right? I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to, because the kid, the kid can play. It's just you don't you don't like uh, the optics of everything that happened at the, at, the uh, um, at, at his pro day, and uh, you know the the combine ended up being a mess because all the legal stuff popped up right when you know combine week was, and and let's not pretend like you know everything that happened the night of the championship game was all you know sunshine and rainbows either. Just gonna be swept under a rug. I mean that's kind of serious stuff that, that that's going on. It's, it's labeled a misdemeanor, but you know there, there's there's a lot more on top of that that. That, that throws up red flags. So that, that all needs to be considered. Paris Johnson has, has the best combination of, I think everything you want to be one of your bookend, uh, you know, tackles going forward. We talked last week about the opportunity that Ryan Poles would now have bringing a kid like Paris Johnson, 
with the size at six six three thirteen, with the length at thirty at just over thirty six inch arms, um, and the kind of athleticism that he has, the versatility that he has, playing up both sides of the line, playing guard, playing on the outside. Uh, Poles has the opportunity to go ahead and figure out the best possible combination of tackles between uh, you know Braxton and Paris. However, he wants to play those two particular human beings on his offensive line. What's best for uh, the, the scheme? What's best for uh, uh, Justin Fields? Um, I, I don't know how many straight weeks we've been saying that this is the way we should probably go with, with number nine if, if Tyree Wilson isn't available. It, but uh, this, this is where I went. If, if the guy was there, I went ahead and picked Paris. All right. You wouldn't have a problem with that, right, Danny? No, I, I, I love Paris Johnson. I, I love the fact, you know, the length, you know, 6'6", 313, 36-plus inch arm length. He's got the athletic ability. Another guy that needs to get stronger. Another guy that, that in the run game is not as dominant as he should be. Um, it's a little bit consistent there. But, you know, I've got the athletic ability. Uh, just curious, one question for Neil. In this in this mock, you had the, you had the pick of G, between Jalen Carter and Paris Johnson. You went with Paris Johnson or Carter was already gone in this mock scenario? I'm trying to remember, remember exactly who was still available. <laughs> it's hard to remember what you do. Just, just curious, because I mean, if, if that is something that um, and I don't think I don't think Carter personally, I don't think Carter will be available for the Bears. But I'm saying if he is there, sitting at, looking at Ryan Poles in the face, and Paris Johnson is is there as well, you know, like I, I I'd be hard pressed to 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 bypass Jalen Carter. And I know there's a lot, and you're taking a big. It could be a boomer bust pick, and it could you know mm-hmm. blow up in your face, and, and you could look you know have egg on your face, but the fact that that when this kid is on, you, you, you don't even go back this this last year. Go back to this two years ago, last year, he was a freaking dude on that that defensive line that had Jordan Absolutely. Davis and they had Trevon Walker and had all these other guys on there. So this guy is just so freaking dominant, and 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 all it takes is just getting his head on straight. And and if you and you get him, the potential to have a a, a, a havoc wreaking interior defensive you know, presence in this defense is huge, especially with now the linebackers that you have behind them. And then the, the, the young developing secondary you have behind them as well. And you bring in some edge pressure guys off, off the edge as well. Talk about making a transformation that that's just, that is so damn tempting that, that you, you, if you're Ryan Poles and if he's there again, I don't think he'll be there, but if he's there, I just can't see me passing him up, you know, cause that's how dominant he is in, in, in the trenches. And uh, again, it could be power, it could be a swim move, swim move, or, or a rip move to get up into the into the gaps. I mean, he could do a lot of different things, and uh, you know, he can he can tilt and, and get him get skinny, get between blockers. I mean, he does everything you look for in this in this defensive front. It's just you know, and and Perry Johnson will be a plug and play starter as well. So that's the thing is like if you're Ryan Poles and that scenario plays out to you, man, that, you know, I, I I would be hard pressed to pass pass Carter because basically once you you bypass Carter, the defensive tackle drop off is huge. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. It's like it's like, you know, you're really kind of really, you know, potentially passing on a guy that could be a, a cornerstone of a defense. So I was just curious if that was the decision Here, made. Here's my concern about Jalen Carter. If he's there at nine, it's clearly because other teams have found out something about his background that they find disturbing. There's teams with defensive tackle needs. The Detroit Lions will grab him up in a moment if he falls to six. And But if he's there at nine, clearly they have found something that makes them uncomfortable, whether it's something to do with his personality, something to do with, with his work ethic, or maybe even something worse. I don't know. Uh, and I I'd be speculating if if I were to put anything up there, but if he falls to nine, I think that's a red flag. And at this point, 
you got to believe that the Chicago Bears have done due diligence and whatever there might be in Jalen Carter's background, they know what it is. And so when they brought him in for their one-on-one interview, they're asking him questions. Usually those interviews begin with, hey, it's really, really important that you tell me the truth. Because if you tell me a lie, then that's really going to hurt your chances to become a member of this great franchise. And so you are setting him up now to tell the truth on everything. And if you find out that he's been telling lies during that interview, then you scratch his name off the board and you move on. And even if he's there in the second round, you you won't even go there because you don't want that kind of a personality in this clubhouse. Ryan Post has said it publicly uh, uh, before the owners meeting that this is a young locker room and he's got to be very careful about who he brings into that locker room. Now, the hope is is that, of course, he's a sterling young man, that he was involved in a couple of mistakes, that his poor performance uh, in the bowl game had to do with the ankle injury he was suffering, and there were other circumstances and so forth. Hopefully that's the case. I'm not wishing any ill will on him. I'd love to see a great young defensive tackle in Jalen Carter uh, come into the National Football League. But if he's there at nine, oh, boy, that could be a problem. That's that's where your – you know, sit down with him, your interview process with him, you know, your fact finding mission with him, that where it comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you say like, like you said, Aldo, like if they have any sort of feeling like he's lied or he's not telling the truth or he's someone that they can't trust, of course, you know, you, you got to bypass him, but you can't just bypass him because Detroit by- bypassed him or, or Seattle bypassed him because you don't know what their situation was, how his totally agree. Totally. That's where your, your information, your Intel, your, your guys that you rely on Ryan polls will, you know, that, you know, we'll need to kind of tell you where, where he goes. So just because those two teams pass on him and, and the Bears take him, I wouldn't just say there's something, you know, for sure wrong there. Just we'll have to let them see and explain why they felt comfortable taking the kid. Yeah, you have, you have that, to make the best choice for the information that you have at hand, your intuition, and what works best for, you know, what you have going on, going on inside your own four walls. You can't ever draft according to what somebody else is doing in their personal draft room. Mm-hmm. That, that that would be absurd, but but also to like kind of address some of these other comments. It, it wasn't that he just lost loved ones. It wasn't like his grandma died the night of of the of the national championship game. The people in the opposite car that he was racing against ran into a fucking light pole and like killed two people in the car. It was one of the recruiting girls and one of the teammates. Mm-hmm. All right, so it, it's not like he didn't have anything to do with that. He said he was a mile down the road when it happened. He left and came back to back to the scene of, of, of the accident. Less uh, probably took some time to sober up or whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, to the point where they, they, they couldn't get an accurate, you know, blood alcohol level on him at the time of the accident. I mean, I, unless I have that story wrong, as I understand the story, it was two people from Georgia to two cars with, with Georgia, either players or personnel inside were racing down a road. One of them lost control and ran into a light post or, or a ditch or something and killed two people. Do I, do I, am, am I off on that? Or am, do I have that story? Yeah, no, yeah, no? no, that's the story. He was racing and then the, the car, one car, which I believe was, was being driven by the, the female, the, 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 the person that worked for the, for the you know, football team, not the player. And uh, that car lost control. And then they, yeah, they hit a pole or, or whatnot and, and lost. And he just sped off from the, from the scene. Um, saw the, I may, obviously I, I would assume he saw the accident, just took off. And then I guess he told cops that he wasn't around when it happened. So I, that, that, that was a lie there, but I mean, they, they've investigated it. It's been a, a deemed a misdemeanor, you know, nothing, nothing else is coming off from there again, from what we know. And this is where, again, we talked about 
Ryan Poles and, and the Bears doing their due diligence on this player's background, that's where this stuff comes out at. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to Neil's draft. He has made a trade. He has traded up into the second round, higher up into Gave the second picks? round. Gave up picks, dude? Not in this draft. Oh, 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 God. What did he, what did he give up? Aldo, what did he give up? I don't know. I can't remember what tell. I gave up at this point. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> actually, no. Yeah, no, I I, I traded – Um. <laughs> I traded don't second make, round. Don't make something up now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was I, I swapped second rounds with Pittsburgh and gave them a, a second round next year. Mm -hmm. So you got back our pick that we traded for Claypool? Effectively, yeah. yeah. Effectively. Wow. Well, right, What'd you pick? And I believe I picked uh, – did I go A squared at, at 33? Is that what I did? That is what you did, indeed. Number thirty-three is Double A from Northwestern. Yeah, yeah could be a little be, early be, for some people's tastes. What's that? Some people are, are saying that he he might last to the third round. I mean, is, this guy's uh, post uh, college career has gone like a roller coaster. He's going to go in the first round one day, and then the next day I see he's going in the third round. Uh, but you got him at thirty-third. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing about it is in, in the, the way that this kid kept on going off the board, basically between 25 and about 35, 40, I figure if I wanted a kid that was unique, I would have to get him at that kind of like, you know, really, uh, you know, prime spot of one of the first couple rounds or for first picks of, of a second round. And so taking him at 33, I thought that was a quality pick. You get a guy with potential, you know, first round value at, uh, you know, the first pick of second round, you, you don't have to pay him that that uh, the extra, you know, guaranteed money that you would owe a first round guy. And you get a guy that, uh, you know, has almost 34 inch arms, you know, big old hands at 10 and a half has some of the most unique, you know, testing numbers in the history of the combine at 44940, 10, 37 and a half vert, 10 uh, and a half broad, uh, repped out 27 uh, on the, uh, on the bench at, uh, at his, at his pro day as well. And uh, you know, he's, he, he's just a unique dude. And, Kind of like uh, we're talking about Keanu Benton, a, a dude that doesn't have the best tape. You know, he's not going to jump off the screen when you when you watch his film. There's a couple games this year where I, I felt that, you know, the the kid actually did some work playing out of position on the edge for Northwestern. But he's a guy that's going to kick inside all the way. And you, and you saw what he did on one-on-ones and in team drills at the Senior Bowl down at Mobile. His ability to, to play in that gap and be an absolute beast, uh, turn speed to power, beat guys consistently, you know, it, it, it was hard to find a guy that, that could, uh, that, that can block that kid um, with, with, with the kind of, uh, you know, ex explosion and power and, and, and speed and quickness that he has a um, little bit of a projection granted. And the reason why his, his post uh, his post season and pre-draft process has been all over the place is because teams are really just trying to figure out how to slot this kid as a kid that doesn't have the production on tape doesn't necessarily have the stats. He showed up, you know, in, in certain games, wasn't consistent, but also has this type of athletic ability, has these type of traits, this length, this explosion, this speed, this quickness, all, all these different types of things. So I, I think you can really go ahead and bet that this kid will be a round two pick. I think that's a really safe bet on that. And just to, to make sure that you get a guy that you can slot in at your three technique position without having uh, too many question marks. Um, is the reason why you go with this kid at uh, at uh, the you know top end of of a second round. Now, in reality, is he a top end of a second round kid? Who knows? Uh, 
I've felt that he could be anywhere from middle round two, late round two to early round three. I think those those are kind of the money spots in reality. But again, you know, a lot of these kids, a lot of times, will go ahead and test themselves, run themselves up the board when they have a, a kick-ass pre-draft process. And uh, especially when you get this kid in the room, he's probably going to blow you away with, with his interview and what he does on the board, all those different types of things. His character, I'm sure the text, you know, it's off the charts, checks all the boxes as, as far as a human being goes. Um, he, he'll go ahead and run himself up to where I, I'll bet somebody goes ahead and takes a chance on him at, you know, high round two, low round one. But I, I think, you know, for the for most people's boards, you know, mid round two to early round three is realistically where he falls, you know, in, in terms of consensus. Somebody will go ahead and take the chance high, though. And we need a three technique. We need an inside presence. We need a guy to cause some problems. We, you know, thought that there was a chance we didn't get Jalen Carter. As of right now, in, in, in this draft, the way that, that Jalen Carter, you know, did his uh, his uh, his visit, the way that he he came in, you know, through in his visit, the way he came off, answered the questions, and everything else. If I'm the GM, if I if I feel, you know, even remotely, uh, you know, off about that whole situation, I'm gonna pass on that. I'm gonna go ahead and get a get a big dude, early end of of round two. A squared was there. Keon White is there. That's another guy that would slot right in that position as well. Now we talked about Tui. Let me two. ask. Let me ask both of you guys, uh, do you have Adebayore ahead of or b- below Kalisha Kansi? Anyway. I have – I don't know if I have Kansi on my board at this point just because I just don't know if he, you know, fits the prototype that, that polls wants. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we've talked numerous times about how everybody wants to compare this kid to um, Aaron Donald because he's, you know, similar height and size and build and came from Pittsburgh and all these different types of things. I'm sure he's a tough kid and he had a he had phenomenal film, but that arm length difference does make a difference. And the, the reason why Aaron Donald is so productive is because he has damn near 33 inch arms. You know, Kalijah Kansi's arms are like 30 and a half. That extra two inches matters, especially when you're going against, you know, big physical dudes that can go ahead and gain leverage on you. So, um, you know, the thing about Kansi is, you know, if if he if he's there in like you know tail end of round three, round four, we have picks and we've made some moves and we we have the the, the luxury of quantity of, of draft capital. Go ahead and take a chance, but I, I think if you're if you're looking for somebody to be a fix, you go ahead and take a kid like A squared. You take a kid like Keon White, Tui Tui Pelotu. You don't take a kid that you're going to be asking questions about that you don't know if it's going to be your long-term fix in a place where you want to get guys to be fixes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kenny, you got Kansi ahead of double uh, A? I don't have him ahead of double A because so, so double A has, has the size, the length, the, the traits that you're looking for in a, in a player, especially a three technique. Kansi has a better tape. Kansi's tape is, is 10 times better than, than double A's. And the thing mm-hmm. with double A is, is, and I, I'm a huge fan of double A in terms of, you know, I saw him. And I'm like, all right, this guy's out, out of position. This guy's got some twitch. This guy's I can kick inside, you know. And and he came in at the combine with the size, and he went to senior bowl and showed the, the ability to, to be a disruptive guy on the inside. But again, it's a projection, and I, I understand when he was kicked inside a three technique, there was a little bit more pressure. I think his pressures are higher at, at three technique than they are right when he kicked him outside to five. Or, uh, but yeah, he's still a projection. He's a guy that just you know watching the, him play. You know, there wasn't the impact from him that I would, I would even if he's playing out of position, you expect some sort of impact from him. And that's where I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with. I love the kid, love his size, 
perfect skin fit at three technique, but I'm just, I'm struggling there. And, and, and what would, in terms of Canty, he's a guy, you love the tape. You love his quickness. You love his ability. He's the ideal fit in terms of three technique, but that, those arms are a big concern for me. And, you know, I, I, so it's, it's kind of hard traits. I like double leg tape. I love Canty. So, but in, in order of this pick for, for Neil, I, I, I don't like it. Uh, now if, if double A dropped to you at 53 or 61, you took them fine. You know, you're taking that projection on developmental player, a guy that like I said, fits the scheme, has the traits, but you gave up our second round pick next year to get a guy that's with that tape, that that's kind of a developmental project. That's where it kind of bothered me with, with this selection. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, thing, thing is, I mean, I got a couple of different iterations of this where I was able to get, You know, pick and not you know lose second round picks. In Tui, Keon White, and Double A, um, it, it, it was hard to find these guys at fifty three. Those are three guys that I, I really liked. You know, to bring in and slot in that three technique role. You know, for the future. And so, um, there, there, there's there's another iteration of the you know nine hundred one different uh, mock drafts that I did that you know, will be a little bit more interesting and, you know, maybe, maybe think, make you think higher of me. And I know you're, you're looking at me with all, like I'm no, scumbag. No, but, but the one I thing with, with double A, I think he's a player that a lot of people are projecting in the first round. I think he's going to go lower in my opinion. He's going to go lower than, than what yeah. these media guys. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Media. Like realistically speaking, he's yeah. like, I think the highest that he ends up going is probably like mid round two. Somebody might take a chance on him, but I think right. realistically speaking, he's a mid round two to early round three guy. Right. You know, he's a guy that, that, that a team that, that's got the luxury of either a lot of picks or they have, you know, they just want to take a chance on the, on that trait, you know, it could bring him in. But you know, again, I, I think all these mocks him going in the, you know, twenties or I, I find it hard to believe because I, you know, you, you see, they all watch the same tape we watch. And, and again, I, I understand it's a projection. I a developmental player play out of position, yeah. but it's just, I, I think he goes lower than what a lot of these TV mock guys are, are, are putting him in there for. So, but yeah, I just, I, you know, let's, I like let's the player. Assume I got I him at 43. That's what I was trying, or 53, I should say. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. I was, that's the thing is I, I should wouldn't get that second round pick next year, second round pick giving up for him. That kind of stings at the heart, you know? All righty. Moving on uh, with Neil's draft. Oh, let's see. What do you got coming up here? Amigo, you have got a center. And he's from Minnesota with pick number 53, John Michael, Michael Schmitz. Schmitz. Tell me why you love him. So part of the thought process in this particular, you know, draft mock was uh, taking into consideration the idea that Cody Whitehair is obviously not your fix at center and that there's a decent chance, as, as the, the tea leaves are reading right now, that, that he may not be even on the roster post-draft. All right, and so that means that you have a massive hole at the center of your offensive line in the leadership position where you need somebody to come in and be your, your solution for, for the X number of years going forward. John Michael Schmitz is a guy that has incredible play history, four, four years as a starter, team leader, team captain, uh, local kid from home in Flossmoor. And he may not blow you away with his measurables. He may not blow you away with, with his tape. He's not ex exactly a sexy pick. But what he is, is is absurdly consistent. He's physical. He's strong. He can operate at, at the second level uh, when need be. But mainly, you know, he's going to get the job done in, in a phone booth inside there. And, uh, you know, he's a really interesting kid that I've liked ever since I've, I first started learning about him in the pre-draft process. He had a really great week in Mobile. Um, and, again, like he, he didn't necessarily jump off the charts, you know, testing or anything like that at, at the combine. But, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for – you know, technical consistency. 
with a kid like that that has that kind of uh, that, that that kind of leadership intangibles, all those different types of things. I think it gets physical and and you know mean as hell, and that, that's why I went ahead and took him at fifty three, assuming that we're not going to have a solution at center going forward. Boza said that he likes drafting guys. He likes guys on the team who are from the area because they got a special love for Chicago and wanted to do well for Chicago. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I believe he's from Barrington, uh, Chicago suburb, Homewood just Flossmore. north. Homewood Flossmore. Thank you. Who's from Barrington? There's a there's a draftee who's from Barrington. In any case, um, um, I like the pick. Uh, Danny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the pick as well in terms of in terms of the uh, the player. I, I like the player, uh, you know, uh, a guy who's you know lettered in wrestling. So you know, you ever see an offensive lineman that that knows, you know, has a wrestling background? You know, they they know you know leverage and how to use their hands to be able to create. Uh, you know, not the most athletically gifted uh, center out there. So, but I think he's he's good enough in terms of you know he's a guy that that will. Uh, you know, will himself to go out and flip those hips and get him in, into the into the gap to be able to kind of you know cut off that backside pursuit on on, a, on an inside zone run or something like that. So uh, he's a guy, definitely a, a guy who can be a leader on on your interior offensive line. So the only thing is, and and Neil, you may have touched on this already. You said that you you've heard that Cody Whitehair may long, may not be on the team after the draft. So that that was my my first concern was we took a player at 53 where we know that this team is is in need of starters where potentially he's not going to start for a year. Um, that was my only kind of drawback saying, you know, I like the player, but I'm like, is he going to sit on the bench and back up white hair? But I, I haven't heard the rumors about white hair not being on his team. So I, that, that was, that was curious to, to hear. So that does happen. And this bit pick is made. That makes a little more sense then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's recently popped up in the past, probably like 48 hours. That smoke started billowing, you know, around all the, uh, all the, all the media people, but again, you know, lying season. There's so many different uh, you know scenarios that I started thinking about this. That, you know, you gotta yeah, you gotta plan for a bunch of different things. Um, one thing I want to know: Do you draft a player outside the Big Ten? I'm just curious. Do what? Do you, are you gonna draft a player outside the Big Ten in, the, in this mock draft of yours? I'm just curious. Yeah, in, in one of the 947 that I have, I certainly dropped a draft a player. Yeah, you have an all Big Ten, all SEC mock, or how do you how are you doing this? I, I did do an all Big Man mock. I did an all. <laughs> I did an all fly guy mock. I did. Uh, I did. I did Noah's Ark mock. Two of everything. There you go. So it was good. <laughs> Love it. All right, with pick sixty four, Neil's on the clock, uh, and he selects the edge from Auburn. I know Danny likes this guy, Derek Hall. Yeah, absolutely. This this kid is uh, kind of unique to me. Um, you know, six three, two fifty four. Great arm length at thirty four and a half. Big hands at ten. Tested really well. Four five five forty. One five nine split. At the combine, explosion numbers were at 33 and a half on the vert, 10 7 on the broad, did 26 reps on the bench. You know, he's uh, he's quick and explosive off the edge. Those long arms can create separation easily. He's got really good hip twitch. He's got a uh, really good uh, you know, play strength. He can set the edge. He can, uh, you know, uh, he, he can kind of wreck things, you know, coming off, coming off the corner. He's a wrecking ball when it, when it comes to his closing speed on the quarterback. Um, for, for a guy that I did not do a whole lot of work on, you know, leading up to this week's show and did a little bit more work on, I kind of fell in love with him just a little bit more over the past, uh, you know, few uh, days here. Um, and again, you know, he's a guy that uh, in, in all these different iterations of this draft, he's going to, he, he ended up going somewhere in between 40 and 60 consistently every time we did this. Um, if he, if, if he was still around, in fact, or around, you know, you know, 53, 61, that was a that was a rarity, um, but I mean this this kid is ex- explosive, quick, fast, 
you know, a lot of the things that, that you look for, uh, I think he was a team captain as well. So he's got the intangible things going for him. Um, really good locker room guy. Um, I mean, in, in, in terms of those off the field things that Paul says that are extremely important in the way that he builds this franchise, he's got a lot of those things too. So I felt that, that was a really solid pick at, uh, what, what was this at? 61, 64. 63? 64. 64. Yeah, I have no idea. Yep. At this point. <laughs> 64. Yeah, so, yeah, no, he's, uh, and, and again, you're, you're talking about a dude too that, uh, in high school, he, he was a linebacker. He's transit. He has transitioned into an outside edge rusher, and then he will also transition in this defense, obviously, to putting his hand in the dirt. So again, slight bit of a projection, but I think you know, first pick of the third round, getting a kid like this, I think that's a slam dunk. Yeah, I absolutely love this kid. Uh, you know, if, if this guy is there at sixty-four, that is a, that is a slam dunk pick. And and again, Neil, I'm with you in terms of I I saw him play in terms of the SEC games in Auburn, and yeah, he'd, he'd make a play here and there, but I never really appreciated what he did until I broke down his tape. And he first caught my eye at, at the Senior Bowl in terms of that that week of practice. He was the defensive mm-hmm. uh, practice player of the week, and then I get, get warmed to his tape. And J2K made a bit of point there in terms of, you know, he's a guy that that's, you know, uh, he's a, he's a, you know, a long legged guy, you know, his, his short torso, so, but yeah, that, that's, that's true. Oh but he's a guy that, that is strong at the point of contact J2K. He's a guy that only 254 pounds, but he's got really just a brute strength. And, and the way he sets the edge, it's really, when I say it's, he's unappreciated the way he just kind of throws his body into multiple blockers. So if we have a holder's point, holder's ground, and set that edge, funnel everything back into into his you know into his uh, defensive line mates, it's something that you won't appreciate unless you break this guy's you know this tape down. And again, the the build is not you know is not uh, you know ideal for an edge guy in this defense. But again, he's so strong, um, and he's, he doesn't have the bend that I that I want in my edge rushers like the bend I talked about with with uh, Uzomo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of bend. But what he does is he's got that thing where he rather go through a blocker. Then go around the blocker, and that, that's how he's got the, the long arms to be able to press and get them off his torso, and then just to walk them back. And there's times where I've seen him where he, he pressed the guy and has nice job of just dipping his shoulder underneath their arms, and then now using his you know his explosiveness uh, that, that he timed out at the combine. You see that closing burst to be able to get underneath the, the pad level and then now close and flatten to the quarterback, and that's where he made his presence felt. So yeah, not the ideal fit, not the ideal bend that you want off the edge rusher, but man, you watch his kids tape and he works hard, and he was a team captain well respected and again you, you the more i watched them the more I, I i grew an appreciation to what kind of football player this guy is and i believe a lot of coaches are going to watch his tape and i'm going to mark him higher than, than he, you know a lot of people are saying he's going to go you know mid late second round i, I think he's going to be right in that that top of the second round range because some some teams i wouldn't be surprised if he goes you know till end of the first round you know because of the, the way yeah. he plays again the way he, he utilizes his body, the way he sacrifices his body, and he just you know he's a run defender and a, and a guy that rather go through a blocker than around the blocker and get to the quarterback uh, makes his presence felt on defense. And I definitely uh, definitely like this kid a lot. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to give you uh, my three round mock. It's pretty simple. I used the uh, Pro Football Focus uh, mock draft simulator, and I did begin things with the trade. It's no surprise most Bears fans want to trade down, and I worked out a deal with the Houston Texans where I'm trading the ninth and sixty fourth picks to uh, for the twelfth and thirty third and one hundred and forty fourth pick. The key here for me being getting back into the early part of round two so that I can 
pick a uh, pass rusher. Now, one of the cool things about the Pro Football Focus uh, mock draft simulator is that you can make some adjustments on some of the parameters that they will then, you know, use for the picks that are available. And so I hiked up the randomness, which to me and just about every draft that I've ever seen in my 60 years on this planet, I've seen so many surprises in the draft. And so oddly enough, some surprises came up in my draft, but I went with uh, a, a name that everybody knows, Paris Johnson with the 12th pick uh, at offensive tackle. To me, it's really, really important that you walk away from this draft with a starter that you know is going to be there for the next 10 years. And particularly if it's a starter that's going to help Justin Fields be the best that he can be, Paris Johnson probably, if you were to list the players of, okay, who are the guys that can help Justin Fields be the absolute absolute best that he could be, Paris Johnson would be in the top three of that list, if not at the very top. It's not only because of his uh, physical size, his athletic ability, uh, his uh, results at playing the offensive line at Ohio State, but it's also the kinship that he has with Justin Fields, and I think that's important too when you're building a, a team. He's a high-character guy. I want him on my team. So we get uh, done with the first round, and at 33 Guess who is there? It's highly unlikely that this will happen, but this guy was there, Miles Murphy, defensive end out of Clemson. There have been some stories about, you know, where exactly he is going to go in the draft because while he is a bit of an athletic freak, some of the results haven't been there. And so perhaps that's why in this draft scenario, he drops down to 33. But this accomplish, accomplishes my uh, two biggest priorities, which is to get potential stars at the offensive and defensive line. So I got really lucky with Miles Murphy. If he's not there, then you're probably looking at a Felix uh, uh, Anadouge uh, that you guys drafted uh, for obvious reasons. I'm not a huge fan of Felix, by the way. I think that He's kind of a, just an average guy, you know, and I, I really want to shoot with the, with the stars. I would even consider trading back into the first round. If I saw Miles Murphy kind of lingering there in the mid-20s, I would consider trading some future draft assets and and, and some of the, the, the wealth that you've got in the middle rounds to see if that could happen. But if you can walk away with a Paris Johnson and a Miles Murphy, then I think you've hit home runs. And then I've been saying this now for months. I really do believe that the starting running back for the Chicago Bears in 2023 is going to be at that draft. And lo and behold, at 53, the kid from Alabama is there, Jameer Gibbs. I love this pick. This guy will now be your starting running back for the next four seasons. And he will come in and play like a pro from the first snap. And he will deliver on all of the needs uh, for Luke Getze's offense. I'm not quite sure how well he is as a pass blocker, but from a run perspective and, and, and catcher of the football, this guy fills all the boxes. Let's not forget that the foreman right now, Deontay Foreman, is the number one back. He signed for a one-year contract. So you know he's really here as a to me, Foreman is more here as a Mike Lennon kind of guy, you know, and that what I mean is the real running back is coming in the draft. Uh, so hopefully it's not going to be a Mitchell Trubisky type of running back. It's going to be a a uh, Patrick Mahomes type of running back and, and Jameer Gibbs. Mike fills Glennon, though. That's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> Whatever his name is, the giraffe guy. Um, so, and then with my final pick on my three-round mock is uh, you guys have talked uh, uh, about him a lot, Keanu. 
Keno Benton. I saw him at the uh, uh, at the Senior Bowl, and I truly agree with Danny that he's got the capability of becoming a three tech on this defense because the quickness was there. And as Danny has said before, he was misused at Wisconsin. Having him out on the outside, he's much better suited for the inside. He's got the power to push guards and even double teams back into the lap of the quarterback and he's got if he's on if he's one-on-one with a guard he's got the quickness to get into the backfield I think all of these four guys probably won't be available when you're drafting well I shouldn't say uh with Paris Johnson but at 33 I doubt Murphy will be there at 53 I doubt Gibbs will be there and frankly I think at 61 I doubt Benton will be there but if those guys are there I walk away with Paris Johnson Miles Murphy Jameer Gibbs and Keanu Benton I'm having a Big celebration afterwards. Everyone at my house, drinks are on me. We're going to have a fun time. What do you guys think about my draft? Well, that's a lot to unpack there. So let's 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 start with let's start with the positive. I I, I think the you know the the dream scenario would be if Jamar Gibbs is there at fifty three. I think that would be a home run pick there. Obviously, can can you uh, um, Benton is is at sixty one. That's where I had him going there as well. So. But the the other thing is is uh, I'm I'm glad that that you're not running the Bears uh, as a GM because you got absolutely fleeced in that trade of yours. You gave up the ninth pick to move up to move down three spots, and you got 33, which is fine. But then you give up pick 64, which is the first pick in the third round, which is high capital pick. Teams are going to be fighting, calling Ryan Poles for that pick because you get to that. After the second round stops, now you have to reset the board again. You don't just throw it in for pick mm-hmm. 104. That You got fleeced. <laughs> you gave me the poop emoji for my mock draft earlier. I gave you two poop emojis for that, for that trade, my friend. Uh, and, then, and then you go Miles Murphy, which, again, I don't think he's going to the second round, but he could be. He's a guy that, that looks the part coming off, off the team bus. You want him coming off first, long arms, you know, big size. You know, has a good first step get off. It's more of a straight line, you know, pass rusher, a guy that that I know I've scouted and I said, you know, he's a solid run defender, not great. But he's not a guy that, in my opinion, is going to be a double-digit sack guy. He's a guy that's going to be a starter along the defensive line and be a solid starter. Seven, eight sacks a season is, is probably where he's going to give you consistently, I'm thinking, give you a solid run defense. So he's a solid player. So I think where you got him was good value. Um, but, again, just – that trade just got me off on the on the wrong foot there, and I'm just, you know, you got some good players, uh, but but I, I just I don't like that trade. Let me, uh, Neil, before you comment, let me uh, defend it a little bit, and I understand. I, I thought too that well, you know, this is a lot, but when when there's a player on the board that you really really want, then. I think you need to make some sacrifices. And in this case, I, you know, I truly believe that this guy, he could be a bust, Miles Murphy, but the potential for him being a boom is really high because of the athletic skills that this guy has. And so if you are satisfied with the personal interview and you really do believe that he's going to buy into his philosophy and you really do believe that he has the capability of doing what is asked of him at that defensive end position, then I think you've got to go there because let's face it. I mean, this guy was a top 10 pick, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, which is another reason why it's highly unlikely he'll be there at 33. But I just feel like it it was worth overpaying a little bit to bring in Murphy. What do you think, Neil? But when you made the trade, 
you didn't know Miles Murphy was going to be there at 33. So you made the trade first, and then Miles that, Murphy happened to fall for your 33. That is Long correct. You gave up capital to get Miles Murphy. All right. <laughs> I just caught you, Mr. GM, in a lie. <laughs> Except for Danny. <laughs> you fucker. Anyway, go ahead, Neil. <laughs> The, the, the universal yeah, pessimist, universal <laughs> pessimist, Danny Shimon. I, I I just found a mock that I didn't share with you, although that might make uh, Danny start uh, rethinking his Superman shirt. But I'll just add a second. Um, I mean, in, in a vacuum, getting those players at those positions, the value that you're getting in, phenomenal. I don't think you know. I, I don't think you can. And and, and again, we don't know what Miles Murphy's going to be. But getting him at at where he where you got him, I forget what exactly what number that was. Thirty three. Thirty three. Getting him at thirty three, phenomenal value. Yeah, it's good value. Jameer Gibbs at fifty three, phenomenal value. Right. Solid starter. He's gonna be a solid starter on your defensive line for sure. Yeah. He's not gonna be the stud pass rusher that Felix uh, and Duke Azuma is gonna be, but you know he'll be a solid starter. Oh sure, but you know uh, again, I I don't have my other notebook up here, but I mean you you look at what we have across the defensive line right now. You don't have your future at any single position. Nope. Mm -hmm. So if, if you, if you can lock down your future at one of those positions in a strap, let alone, you know, two or three of them, I think you feel pretty good about yourself. I think he could be a really good strong side defensive end yep. to be honest, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, um, a, he's a left end for me, not, not a right end. Yeah. I mean, either way, you know, but you know, the fact of the matter is like you, I, I think you got tremendous value in, in all of the, the, the drafts that I executed in the 985 uh, you know, drafts that I executed today. We're going to hit a thousand by the end of the night. We're going to hit a thousand. I know it. We're, we're, we're almost that. there. We're almost there. In every single one of the these drafts in, in that I, uh, I I mocked that actually had trades executed, at no point did I give up pick 64 to pick 103. And it, it was really hard to give up any of those uh, of those uh, late second rounders as well. And yeah. in, in one of them I gave up. The one that we talked about today, I gave up pick fifty or sixty-one. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just I, I felt that where my value was, if I was executing trades, was yes, trading back, but also getting my first pick somewhere in late round one, early round two. You know, somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-three. You know, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, somewhere there, twenty-five to thirty-five. You're getting another one in the forties, keeping your fifty-three, sixty-one. 64 right and then mm -hmm. i also had at one point executing enough trades to where i had 61 62 63 64 and something in the 70s and something in the 90s which is absolutely incredible it might have been one of those mm -hmm. i sent you all though i can't really remember but I, I felt like you know really that that area between 25 and and 70 has a lot of talent that yeah. are going to come in and be immediate impacts that's i think that's your wheelhouse that, that's the one thing doing this, and that, that and that's the wheelhouse of this draft, guys. It's, it's between picks 20 and like 55, 60. Is, is a lot of these good players are going to begin that in that round, and that's why sitting and doing these mocks. One thing I realized, and I think you guys kind of are, are on board on with this one as well, is that that's a long wait from nine to 53. Yeah, a lot of players. Oh, you're like, oh, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. And it's like that's that that's where I think Ryan Poles is going to look to make a trade. Now, the key. Obviously, he's having a partner, right? And and I think if a, one of these quarterbacks drops, I think a team like Tennessee, possibly a team like like uh, uh, Houston, if they bypass you know the, the quarterback in the first the first pick, might try to come back up. And now you might be able to get yourself a second round pick in that range, offset that. And you might go down two or three slots. And that's what was my thinking in terms of you know, making my trades. It was like 
hey, I, I wanted a second round, uh, second round pick in between, and I, and I got this in some of those trades. So I, I hopefully that that presents itself to, to Ryan Poles. I think the one thing that we can all agree on is in all of our mocks is, is we got starters, and that's something we've been saying with with these mm-hmm. with these first three you know three rounds. It's incumbent. They got big athletic dudes tackle the trenches. Starters, they got to find starters, and they got to find guys in the trenches. And with offensive line, defensive tackle, defense, you know, edge guys, that's the thing you got to go. You know, Aldo is, has a thing for running backs, and he wants a running back, so he got a, you know, a pretty good one potentially there. And, and Jameer Gibbs, I'm not gonna hate that one because I think he's him and him and obviously Bijan Robinson are ahead of this class, and, and there's, a, there's a drop off in terms of you know immediate starter potential, but. The one thing also, although you said there in your explanation, is uh, Dante Foreman is your starter. No, no, I think Khalil Herbert is your starter. I think Dante Foreman is, is a nice one-two punch, gives you that option. You know, I, I think Herbert, as he stays healthy, as long as he stays healthy, and he hasn't been able to do that. If he stays healthy, I think Khalil Herbert fits the system more. I think he's, and Foreman's more of a downhill, you know, power kind of runner, where Herbert has that vision, be able to cut back and, and give you some of that, you know, those wide zone runs and be able to cut back, plant, and just hit up, head up the field. So, I think Herbert, you know, one-two punch again. I'm not fretting the running back position that much because of those two guys. Uh, now, I, I, you know, I, I do think they will get one in this draft eventually. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll see. And I have, a, I, have a, I have my scouting reports on the running backs that I've kind of targeted in that in that range coming up on on our our Patreon page. So, we'll, you, can, you know, you guys can see those there. But uh, there are, there are some that are, that are you know specifically a nice scheme fit for these. This is his own scheme, and I think you know, uh, you know, they'll probably get one at tor- towards tail end of this of the draft. If not, I mean, they have you know, they have bodies there, right? Travis Homer is a guy that Ryan Poles likes a lot. Coming out of Miami, he was a guy that, to me, showed some potential. Now he's been relegated to a special teams player and like a like a third down back at, at Seattle. So you know, maybe they were not using him in the proper ways. We'll see what they have. The Bears have plans for him, so there's some potential there as well. Uh, so I, I'm not sweating the running back position as much as I think some others are. Um, but you know, that, that's the one thing is, is like, you got to attack the trenches. If you're, if you're Ryan Poles and the bears in this draft. And Especially I, that I, running I have, back position. Yeah. Although in Danny, I think that like between 90 and 140, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to find a productive player to fit what we do in that running back room. I, I, I agree. I mean, this is a draft that's rich. It really, really is. But in terms of richness in, in, in guys that can be three down backs, it's not that rich. You right. know, when you look at a Devon uh, a Shane, I would yeah, love no, that guy yeah. on the team, 4.3 two yeah. speed, yeah. but he, there's no way. Tajay Spears, I would love him on the Bears, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to have him out there pass blocking on third down. Right. Tank right. Bigsby is a guy that could potentially be a three down back, but he's kind of unproven as a pass catcher. Rashawn Johnson, he played be, be, uh, behind B. John Robinson, so he was a backup in college. I can't gamble that he's he's going to be an everyday back back. Uh, Abinikanda, uh, uh, Kendra Miller, Zach Evans, Eric Gray, Chase Brown, all of these guys are rotational guys. They're, they're rotational guys. And so I want a guy because I want to make sure that Justin Fields is only running on a predetermined three plays a game, games, uh, uh, plays that are strategically designed to take advantage of the defense. And then he's going to run another two, three times 
because the pocket breaks down and so forth. That's all I want. That's all I want out of the guy who led the team in rushing last year. If we're going to have a really good rushing team, we need a true number one back. And to me, I don't think we have one. I think the Khalil Herbert, what he showed last year is that he is an outstanding backup player. But when he got a chance to start uh, for David Montgomery last year, he laid a, 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 an egg. Now, in, in, in the previous year, in 2021, he did have a couple of good starts uh, for M Montgomery, so I'll give him that. But I, I, I'm not comfortable with saying that Khalil Herbert is the number one running back for the Bears. But the one thing, uh, uh, Aldo, is, is this NFL, there is no true, it's not the old school one back, you know, does it all. It's, 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 a, it's a platoon back there. It's, it's, you know, this guy's got the power. This guy's got the speed. This guy's got the hand, hands, you know, catch out of the backfield. So I think that's what, you know, that's what the NFL is. So, so right. And for me, the only two backs in this draft that are, for me, at least starter down and down out, even Jameer Gibbs is a guy, maybe, you know, you kind of, Take, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm not sure if he's every down back, but I mean, Bijan Robinson, I think, is a, is a three down back. And I think, uh, obviously, I think right now I put Gibbs in there as well. So those two backs are, you know, for sure three down backs. But again, it's just not, not the type of NFL now where, where you want or you or they utilize these, these you know, three down backs anymore it's it's a it's always a platoon it's it's a one guy look at detroit they always they got travis best and last year they had jamal williams they let jamal williams walk they go get david montgomery they're probably gonna draft another running back this year i mean they have these guys it's, it's like a, a plethora back there that just you know get you fresh legs and, and be able to at least as long as they fit the, the scheme and give you something that the other guy doesn't i think that's what they're looking for i think right now with with foreman and with with herbert i think that's a nice one two punch and then you know who's that third bike gonna be is it gonna be homer Guy comes in, gives you that pass blocking ability and, and a pass catching ability out of the backfield. Is, is it going to be a rookie? We'll see. But I, I just, I just, there are not going to be, especially now with these short running games. Remember th these bubble screens, these slip screens, they get these ball in, in the hands of these players. And, and then a chain is a guy you just talked about. He's a guy that I've scouted. And he's, he's again, he, he's 202 pounds, I think, dripping wet. Uh, you know, track guy, 100 meters guy. He's got, you know, speed, straight line speed that you want. And he gives you that ability to bring that big play potential on, on your offense. But again, not going to be a guy that's going to be a down in and down out, you know, three down back. He's a guy that's going to be, a, you know, come in and have specialty plays, you know, again, bring that, that excitement, that the element of speed to your offense. But, you know, but there are guys that you can bring in here and, and be part of a rotation or part of a platoon that kind of help, whether it's Herbert in the future or another running back to kind of be a one, two punch with them. And that's what I'm looking for in this draft. If, you know, if that's the strategy you want to take, then you are going to find a good rotational back in this draft because there are tons of them. There really are tons of them. But if you want to have a true number one running back, a guy that you would love to see get 20 touches a game, then Gibbs is, is the guy. And he, he can, you know, catch the ball seven times. You can run the ball 13 times. Then between Herbert and Foreman, they get the other touches from the running back position. That's the kind of scenario I would love to see for this Bears because the, the passing game is still going to take some time to develop. I don't think Fields is going to make a quantum leap in his passing uh, attack. I think he's going to improve, uh, but the offense is still a run-first offense, at least in 2023 is what I forecast.
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, th this offense is based uh, run first, and that's how it's going to be. And that's how it's built. It's the Sean McVay offense. It's the Matt Lafleur offense, and that's what they do. Is is they they do the set up the run, set up the play action, be able to then hit you downfield with with some big plays. So that's definitely going to be the case as well. Yeah. The thing is, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, you don't want Justin Fields rushing for 1,000 yards. You just don't want that for his longevity, for the for the overall production and overall development of this offense and the skill position players. You do not want your quarterback rushing for 1,000 yards. So that's definitely going to be something that to, to keep an eye on. I think. You know, we'll, we'll see how the, how the you know, the, the improved room at the receiving core and hopefully an improved offensive line would go ahead and kind of help us there as well. BT9 wanted to see some clips of uh, Jameer Gibbs, and uh, this is what he can do. I mean, it, that speed is electrifying. I want a speed back in our backfield this year. And uh, hopefully it's this guy, and if it's not, then maybe it's you know a, a rotational back who who can give us that four point three. But the moves, what he does in the open field, making people miss. He's got good hands to catch the ball. Um, this guy has it, man. This guy has it. He's got it all. Yeah, he's a talented player. You're not gonna get a a, a crumb out of me in terms of the talent. I think that'd be a a great you know player to add to to your offense. But I just you know. At one point, do I, you know, let go or, or bypass a potential starting defensive lineman or offensive lineman and pick a running back if I have no one to block for him? That's my. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm kind of going here. Speaking yeah. of Alabama running backs, did anybody get the Raiders offering you Josh Jacobs? Yes, I, I, I got it so many times. I, I I got Josh Jacobs offered to me. I got Carolina offered offering me their second round pick for another, and and then Brian Burns and I'll Brian just Burns got that one. Yeah, it's just crazy, crazy picks. But on, on your mock draft simulator, you were you were yeah, offered yeah. really? I didn't get proper players. Uh, like a Titans PFF in one of the thousand and two that I did offering me Brian Tannehill. Tampa kept offering me Mike Evans. I'm like, dude, I don't want him. Just leave me alone. <laughs> got that one a bunch of times too. That's hilarious. All right, let's see what we got in the chat room. Um, we talked about J Rocks. Uh, and Sam Rush wants to know, okay, I like all of Danny's picks except for Skaronski unless we trade Tevin Jenkins, which brings to mind what are we going to do with Tevin Jenkins? I, I don't I don't think Ryan Poles and, and this this team has, are counting on Tevin Jenkins, guys. I think whatever that he gives them is is a bonus. I don't think they're going to go into the season saying, all right, Tevin Jenkins is pouncing in as one of my starting offensive linemen. That that's the thing that, that I took out of the 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 the, the post free agency nose conference, if you will, where he said Nate Davis is going to come in and play guard. And, and that guy's played right guard for his entire career. I don't think they're moving him. So so I think what he said was we're going to put the best five guys out there. They didn't say Tevin Jenkins is going to be one of the best five guys. He's going to give an opportunity, whether it's a left guard, whether it's a right tackle. So I, I, that thing, I think the Bears are not counting on Tevin Jenkins. That's why with me, when I made these scenarios, I'm like, all right, listen, I'm looking at Skaronsky. He's not going to play tackle for me. He's going to be my guard, but he's going to be my left guard. And he's going to be my left guard for the next five or seven years. Him and Braxton Jones, a nice, formidable left side, protects the, the blind side of your right-handed quarterback. And now – we move on, right? We got right guard with Nate Davis. Center, we think it's going to be Cody Whitehair. We'll see what happens there. Right tackle is, is is the area of need. And Tevin Jenkins has played right tackle. Not really great, but, you know, it's a spot that I think Neil and I both thought he could or is better suited for as opposed to left tackle. So I'd give him a shot there to compete, whether it's with a veteran, whether it's with Leatherwood, whether it's a, you know, another draft pick, which is what I think is going to happen. So I think that's where they're going to go with. But, again, Skoronsky was a starter, starter for me for the next five or seven years, Pro Bowl caliber player, I left guard, 
not a tackle. And that's, I think that was the best value. And I got my extra picks that I wanted. All right. Uh, Neil, do you have any thoughts on what uh, Tevin Jenkins future might be with the Chicago bears? I think it's up in the air, honestly. You know, the, the, the dude uh, is still looking for a, 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 a position and he hasn't been healthy. So I still don't think we've seen really what sort of end result Tevin Jenkins gives us in terms of his future on this offensive line. I think we're still in discovery mm-hmm. mode with this kid. Yeah. He's, you know, it, 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 the guy proved that he can become a really high quality right guard. There's just this cloud of uncertainty around him with injuries and, you know, what's going on with some of the relationship issues with him. Uh, he's, he's a bit of an enigma right now. Uh, let's yeah, move on to another question. Um, Cornelius says, well, obviously, if this draft was longer, Danny would have drafted one of his many explosive running backs. So, guys, if you can each give me a, ga- a name of an explosive running back that you would like to see the Bears target in day three, because um, I think you're both in agreement. Let's not, you know, take a, a running back. There's too many other areas of need. But, uh, you know, let's say Luke Getzik says, come on, General Manager Neil, come on, General Manager Danny. I want a explosive running back to have in my room. Give me a name, fellas. Start with you, Danny. Well, for me, obviously, I'm, I'm going day three with my running backs. And, and there's, a, there's a couple of guys that I think could be there. One is, is the guy we talked about is, is Israel uh, Abad. I'm going to put his name. Abakanda. Again, he's a, a pit players are tough physical players. This kid ran a four four five forty with a one five zero ten yard split, forty one inch vertical. So he's got the explosiveness. Again, this is a guy that that you know is a, is a track star. Has got that speed. What I'm looking for, I'm looking for a fit, scheme fit. Can, can he extend the play? Can he do the, the the wide zone scheme? You know, plant his foot in the ground, hit and cut it, hit up field and. Abakana gives you that on tape. So he's a guy that fits this scheme nicely. Uh, again, gives you some of that uh, potential in terms of uh, a big, big playability uh, and also, again, some, some physicalness at, at the point of uh, attack. But, you know, unfortunately, in terms of, you know, pass catching, it wasn't really utilized much that much in, in terms of the, the passing game, but, you know, hasn't showed to be, you know, horrible in terms of catching the ball. You know, Dwayne McBride is, is a guy that I like a lot from UAB. He hasn't tested uh, this post-draft uh uh, you know, period here because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, another guy that fits that zone scheme gives you some quick twitch ability. Uh, you know, put a game, a game against Georgia last year and 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 they got killed. But he was the guy that looked like he belonged on on the football field. And that's going up against Georgia's defensive defensive front. So uh, you know, there's times where you know he had nowhere to go and and be still would just pound in between those guys and, and get some some tough yards. My big thing with him is 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 uh, ball security. He's got if numbers are not mistaken. He's got ten fumbles. With, with seven lost. So that's something he's going to have to work on is, is ball security. So don't keep an eye on. And a, and a real sleeper, guys, and this guy that I touched on last week's show, a guy that's probably going to go six, seven round maybe, uh, is Xavier Valade from Arizona State. This is a fifth-year senior, was at Wyoming for four years, went to Arizona State. Uh, his pro day numbers were 4440, 10-3, a broad jump, had a 40-inch vertical. Another guy that I think fits that wide zone scheme – Tough physical player, tremendous in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's had you know 30, 88 receptions over his career in college and being just a natural catcher of the football. Guy comes out, runs. He can run some wheel routes for you. He can run routes in a flat. Again, tough guy. You know, wide zone can see can see the cutback lane. Has that good vision. Plan his foot, cut up field, and take it. You know, take it up for 10, 15, 20 yards. So, 
Xavier Valaday. I'll have his scouting reports and some of the other guys here up on up on our, our Patreon page here coming up soon. But these are some guys in day three that I've earmarked for for the Bears, specifically that that wide zone scheme. You know, you got a, a, a explosive day three running back you'd like to uh, brag about? Yeah, I mean, they're the, the two guys that I keep on talking nonstop about is uh, Chase Brown and uh, Israel Abanaconda. You know, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely love Chase Brown. I, I think Chase Brown does a lot of the things that we love about you know what David Montgomery can do. You know, he's he's got four four three speed. He's got explosiveness in, in his uh, in, in his his uh, his numbers at the combine were forty and, and ten foot seven. Um, he showed at the Senior Bowl that he can uh, take the ball out of the backfield and on uh, in the passing game. And uh, he was probably the best one there in terms of the the one on one pass blocking drills. I mean, he. He was the only one there that was consistently uh, shutting guys down, sticking his nose in there, being physical. And in terms of him as a, as a ball carrier, as a runner, he's not just a, a fast finesse guy. He'll, he'll happily run your ass over too at the same time. So I love really like the, the complete game that that uh, Brown gives you. And Israel Bonacondo is a guy that I just really started, uh, um, you know, jumping on board with over the course of the past couple months, start watching a little bit more of his film. And, you know, obviously he blew away his pro day, which I didn't exactly expect was going to happen. But, you know, now his numbers are really inflated and, and he probably ran his up, ran himself up, uh, you know, some some uh, some boards a little bit. But uh, those are the two guys that I've really liked. I've talked about, you know, for the past couple of shows, would love to see in Chicago. Um, obviously, Chase Brown, we've been talking about since day one. So uh, if, I, if we can figure out a way to get Chase and Sydney both in the locker room, that'd be sick. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's get another question out of the way here. Let's go with Corey Owens, who wants to know for that ninth overall pick, the first round pick, let's just say, he wants to know, do you want need? Do you draft for need or the best player on your board? Start with you, Danny Shimon. No, you always draft best player. You always draft best player because because if you draft for need, you, you tend to kill yourself and and you're trying to you know reach for players that that you want because you have a need so i just think that that at nine the way this potentially this this draft could fall i think the, the best player available and the need for the bears will will probably be you know hand in hand there with an offensive lineman so but if one of the defensive linemen just falls for example if if a uh, uh tyree wilson in, in my dream scenario if, if my top player in this draft tyree wilson is there that's who uh, I'm, I'm going hands on running. I'm spr- I, I'm doing cartwheels to that to turn that card in. Uh, obviously, Jalen Carter we talked about earlier with with Neil's picks. You know, if, if Jalen Carter is there, I think long and hard about taking that 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 monster in the middle of the defensive front with all even even with all the question marks surrounding him. And um, obviously, Will Anderson, he's not an ideal scheme fit for this Bears. I don't, I don't think, but I I think you know in terms of what he can bring you in terms of a defensive player effort, you know, uh, closing burst speed got to potentially give you some some pass rush as well you know i, I think you would go there and, and kind of just and, and look for because tackles you can probably bring in a guy in the later you know later second round where he can be potentially a, a guy that can compete for your starting right tackle position so you know it's it, but the defensive tackle and guys like tyree wilson and will anderson you can't find later on in the second round of this draft so that's where i would i would supersede but i, I just think those three defensive players are going to be gone by the time the bears pick and i think just the way it falls, the tackles, the offensive linemen are going to be probably the top players. Uh, you know, on the the one position that I I don't want to draft, and and this could be could I be missing on a superstar <laughs> player potentially, but I, I do not want to draft a cornerback. 
with that number nine pick. I don't care how good Christian Gonzalez is. I don't care how good. I love Devin, Devin Weatherspoon. I love his game. I love his physicality. Uh, but I, I, I don't want a corner at number nine because I have, I, for my count, I think it's like 30 plus guys, corners that, that could potentially start in this league. And I think you can get a corner in the third, fourth round, as we've seen in some of our mock drafts here. So I don't draft a corner in that, in that first round. Uh, so I think offensive line will, will be the kind of, it'll be all lineup for the Bears in terms of the best player available and in a position of need as well. What do you think, Neil? You're drafting, when it comes to number nine, you couldn't work out a trade. Are you drafting need or best player available? Oh, just a quick touch on that, on the, the quarterback point that Danny made. I, <laughs> right before we went on the air, um, the Chicago Bears app or website or whatever had a listing of like all the pro- prominent, right? Always in air quotes, prominent people that were, you know, mocking uh, what the Bears were going to do at number nine. You had some of these guys giving us Christian Gonzalez. There was Witherspoon. Somebody called Chad Reuter at NFL said Bijan Robinson. And then Ian Valentino at PFN mocked us. Kalijah Kansi at nine. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, these are these are writers. They're not evaluators. Exactly. Right. right. That, that, that's why I always say people of prominence, quote unquote, because these people probably don't watch a film or have any clue what the Bears actually need. Not paying mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that to me was just absurd. I just had to get that in there. But I mean, it, it, it's always to me like a sliding scale a little bit. But I mean, with, with a pick in the top 10, I think you need to really just like nail down what your top needs are, what your dire needs are. And then, like Danny said, go ahead and pick the best player out of those dire needs that you have. We have a dire need at edge rush. We have a dire need in, you know, interior defensive line. We have a dire need at right tackle. And so, of those three positions, what's the best player amongst those three positions to get? And then also look back in the draft and see where are you picking. You know, coming up here, can you orchestrate a trade to get somebody at a at a premier spot? And if not, what are the next positions, or what the 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 um the guys available at the at the other positions of need? Where are those guys falling? And try to manufacture the best combination of possible, you know, assets to bring it into your locker room as possible, which isn't always an easy thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think I think a lot of times uh, even some of us can get emotional as fans and be like, what the hell are we doing with with some of the picks that we're making? But, you know, draft draft uh, draft day isn't exactly, you know, like one of those things you 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 buy at Costco. It doesn't come fancy, you know, all packaged up fancy in a box. You know, there craziness happens and, you know, you you, you get screwed up situations or if you can, you know, sense situations you know popping up, you can uh, you know, get out in front of it and get get yourself to where you need to be but um that, that's, that's really and I, and I think you know when you look at the way that we did these mocks at least the way i was looking at how i was doing these mocks and with so many different kinds of scenarios popping up in my head like what well, this happens what if i can find this guy here what if this guy comes available here every, every single case of scenario i look at at nine if i'm not making sure i look at 9 53 61 64 was the best possible combination of players that could possibly possibly fall in those slots and just try to get you know the best combination of four you end up getting a, a plethora of picks, increasing your draft capital. Still, you're trying to find the best combination, but you're you you are attacking the needs though. You're just trying to find the best possible player at the most necessary needs that you have. All right, uh, let's get two or three more questions out of the way, and then there's one one mock draft I'd like to for you guys to quickly comment on because I made a promise to my man Vinny Parisi, who posted his mock draft. Hey, Windy City Gridiron.com. Mock draft or is it actual? He, he writes about all Chicago sports. Uh, I'm he, just, he I'm just giving, giving Vinny a hard time because he's, he's a fucking guy. <laughs> 
He really is. He knows his shit when it comes to hockey. Uh, my man, I am Skoke says, hey, uh, any thoughts on Alex Pochiski? I think it's Pochiski, the right tackle Pocheski. from Illinois. Pocheski. Thank you. Uh, the right tackle from Illinois. Uh, Neil, you know how to pronounce his last name. So uh, you got any thoughts on the uh, big right tackle? Uh, he's 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 Polish and probably tough. So, yeah, I love him. <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't watched the film. Uh, Danny, I'll, I'll lean on, if you watch the film, Danny, I'll, I'll lean on you. I'm not very familiar with him. I, I haven't done him yet, but he's on my on my on my next block to do. But yeah, I mean, he in terms of what what he gives you, he gives you guys a good size, some experience, a uh, tough tough brand player as well. I'm trying to see if I have his uh, numbers here in terms of his uh, combine numbers uh, handy. Real I got quick, but, uh, I got it. Got he's uh, six foot six and a half, three hundred and three pounds. Um, he ran the 40 and 527, the 10 yard split at 175, the three cone at 7.74. And I'm gonna tell you his arms, his arms are 33 and 5 eighths. Right. So that, that tells me that, that he may not be athletic enough for the scheme, but however, you know, I, I want to see his tape. I want to be able to, you know, give him a fair shot. Uh, just, just off those numbers, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, in terms of limited uh, athletic ability, be able to, uh, you know, the one thing here is you want to see how this kid can elevate to the next level. Um, you know, but again, I think, you know, coming in right now, just off the top of my head, I think he's a day three pick. And, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll I have him earmarked again for my next round of, of offensive linemen. So I will be posting that, um, that scouting report uh, here soon. Um, and I can tell you this, that Dane Brugler and the Beast, which was just released over at The Athletic, says that uh, um, the biggest problem with Alex's game is that his hands are constantly out here. And so uh, he, he is getting bull rushed over and over again, and he's got a, he's played a lot of right tackle and some guard, so he's got some experience up and down the line. But uh, there's just some technical things that are worrisome about him, including his hand, how he uses his hands. Well, see, see, um, I don't worry about that because because that, that's a coaching thing, right? So as long as he's got the traits, he's got the ability to, to talent to play at the next level. That's what I have my coaches for. So that's why you know if it's a thing where you know he's he's opening up wide and he's and he's exposing his torso and his chest to to defender. And yeah, you know what? A coach can get in there. He's going to show him how to close in that that you know his arms and, and be able to strike quicker. So those things don't mm -hmm. worry me. As much, you know, it might drop in terms of where he gets picked, but yeah, you know, definitely a guy that you know, I'm looking for traits and his ability athletically to, to can he fit in the system is what I'm looking for. Like J Rock for wants example, to know. Go ahead, yeah. for, for, real quick, all like for for example, Joe Titman has a lot of those same problems. You know, mm -hmm. he's he's really bad with his hands, he's wide, he's he, he's off balance, he's he lunges, all, all those different types of things, all coachable things. Like he had, he has an incredible natural traits, you know, the size, the athletic ability, he can operate in space, the whole deal. He's got to be coached out of the bad habits, right? You know, he's one of the top centers in this draft, but he has so many bad habits, which is, which is why he's not going to go as high as, you know, maybe his athletic ability would, would say with this other mm -hmm. kid, you know, he might just not have the athletic ability to, you know, like Danny said, function in, in terms of what we need him to do. So, you know, the, the, the coachable things are, are not the things that worry you. It's, it's the, it's, it's the athletic traits. And, and uh, the length numbers are the things that you really got to look out for. Um, all right. Let's see. Let's get into the question here. It uh, looks like uh, J-Rock wants to know about uh, what you guys might think about the right tackle from the University of Georgia, the gentleman who was involved in that car crash, Warren McClendon. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah McClendon at 6'4", 306, uh, 34 and a half inch arm length. So he's got the got the uh, the arm length that you like in your tackles. 
Um, you know, he's got the basketball background in high school, so he's an athletic guy. Three-year starter at at, uh, at right tackle for for Georgia. So, uh, you know, watch this tape. Uh, for me, you know, there's a lot of things to like about him. Again, the long hands, the big hands. You know, he can bring some physicality. He's a guy that can you know move some guys off the line of scrimmage. Uh, doesn't have the ideal height or athletic ability to be an offensive tackle at this next level. I think his best position is probably inside a guard. So that's where I'm positioning him as as a, as a right guard uh, as opposed to right tackle. So uh, that that's that's and as a day three pick for me right now. Any thoughts, uh, Neil? Yeah, yeah, day three guy. Um, not a guy that really moved the needle for me really in one way or the other. Don't have a strong feeling. Don't have a negative feeling. All righty. Uh, let's see. Let us go now to Cliff Victoria has an interesting question. He says, what's the over-under how many picks Poles ends up with in this draft? He's guessing 14 as the median. I think it's going to be less than that. I think, if anything, he's going to move up. I think he got his big booty of, you know, day three picks last year. A lot of those guys, you know, were on the practice squad. And so I think that he's going to draft a little bit more for quality. Uh, so I'm I'm putting it around seven. What do you guys think? Oh. I'll be pissed if it's only seven. I mean, he's got he's got so many holes on his on his roster. I I, I don't think he, he he's he's gotta go within at least he's got ten now. So I mean, I mean, I, at the worst, I, I want him coming back out of here with with ten, right? He can move up and move down and do all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say you know, Cliff fourteen would, would be great because you know, I, I don't think he's gonna go that high. I think I think you know, twelve, eleven is, is probably where he's gonna end up with. But like I said, he's got ten now. He's gonna do some moving back. He's gonna do some moving up. You know, but probably in that second and third round, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got so many holes on his roster. Uh, I, I just think you you just attack it with as much bodies as you can. Um, not saying all of them are going to make, make the football team, but again, you just keep swinging it and you never know. And then you also have, there's the undrafted free agent class and, and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I think, you know, he still has a lot of holes, a lot of needs, um, and a lot of depth to fill if, if not starters. Right. So I, I think he's got to come out here. Like he's got 10 now. I'd say he's got to come out with at least 11 or 12 when the, once the draft is done. Mm-hmm. I think 14 yeah. is like really high. I think seven's really low. What do you have last year? 10. 12. He ended up with last year. He was took it five. He took five. Ended up with twelve. Yeah. Oh, well, shit. Yeah. In, in that case, I feel like we're going to be somewhere around ten. Then I feel like it's going to be a little bit less than we had last year. Yeah, I think so, ten's a good 10, number. Ten for me. Ten, ten's my over under. Let's go ten and a half. All right, put 20, he's putting $20 on 10 there, uh, <laughs> Cliff. Okay, um, let us uh, – J2K wants to know, who do you guys like at the tight end position? Who do you think would be a good tight end for the Chicago Bears team? Oh, There's a lot of good tight ends in this class. One of the tight ends that I like is the kid out of Purdue, Payne Durham. I really love this performance down at the senior boat. Yeah, he's not a lightning guy. He's a wide tight end. He's he's more – he's he could – fit in well as a a guy who is just going to help with your blocking first and foremost, but he's got smooth hands. And so he's a big, big target. If you throw it up to him, he's likely to come at, come down with the ball. And he's just a great rah-rah, fired up kind of guy that I'd love to see in this locker room. Payne Durham is like a day three tight end. I wouldn't mind seeing the Bears walk away with him. But there's a, a number of other guys that I like too. What about you guys? Start with you, Danny. My guy, I've talked about it before, is is uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa. Uh, I, I know his size is about six three, so, so he's, he's in that that hybrid kind of kind of range. But you know, Iowa tight ends always always come out. They're always guys that that are productive. Um, you know, uh, I haven't I haven't done a deep dive into tight ends yet, just because I've I've been kind of just focusing on on the trenches right now and, and some of the cornerbacks and receivers and running backs. But 
tight ends are next on the list along with, uh, you know, a double back on, on some of the offensive linemen. So, but Laporte is a guy that I just, I've admired his game for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, athletic four, nine 40, uh, had a one, five, nine, 10 yard split, 35 inch vertical, six, nine, one, three cones. So the guy can move, um, you know, if, if he, if he turns into a, a poor man's George Kittle, I think that that's a nice pickup. Again, he's a guy probably in a, a third day, third, yeah, day three range uh, is probably where you pick up a guy. But Sam Laporta is a guy that I really, really like just based off of watching him on, you know, week in and week out on Saturdays. They don't give me a tight end. Hang on, pulling this up right now. The, uh, the the one that really intrigues me is that kid out of Old Dominion, Zach Coons. I, I, you know, I, I haven't done, in, like Danny, a very, you know, deep dive whatsoever at the tight end position yet at all. I'm just, you know, Based on some things that I've seen here and there, some of the guys that that performed at, at the combine, Zach Koontz is really intriguing to me, and I need to look, you know, look out and and uh, and evaluate more of this kid. But six seven two fifty five at the combine, thirty four inch arms, ten and a quarter hands. I think he was the number one or at least top top two or three in every metric at the combine. Ran four five five forty at that size six seven two fifty five one five seven split. 40 inch vertical, 10 foot a broad jump, and then the agility, the uh, the, the quickness uh, drill, six eight seven three cone, four one two shuttle is absurd. 23 reps on the bench, so he's got some strength to him as well. I don't know a whole lot about the kid other than you know what I what I've heard him say in interviews, what I saw him do at the combine. Looking at these numbers, the, these measurables are off the charts. That, that that that's a kid that intrigues the hell out of me. If I'm Ryan Poles and I'm trying to find out everything about this kid as I possibly can. Yeah, this is a kid. It's, it's very intriguing. A highly athletic, big guy, big target, big catch radius. Uh, four, five, five, forty. You know, the six, eight, seven, three cone for a guy that size is very, very impressive. Um, and the, the school uh, guys in the chat, if you guys remember, this guy went to a, a, a prominent school prior to going to Old Dominion. Um, it was, it was a big program. Penn State, thank you. It was at Penn State. Uh, so, yeah, he was there, and then he transferred to Old Dominion. So, you know, he's a guy that that's, was highly recruited coming out of uh, high school. So, he, he's got some athletic ability, and, and he's intriguing. But, again, um, you know, most of us hadn't heard of him until until the combine. So, you know, we'll see how, how he does there. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's an intriguing intriguing athletic prospect. And the interesting right. thing about this kid is that, you know, he, di he didn't leave Penn State because he couldn't play. He left Penn State because he just wanted to be close to your family and wanted to make it easier for his family to come see him play. He's a very blue collar workmanship, you know, attitude, you know, type of kid. In terms of like intangibles, he's he's got that mental makeup that that you want to stick in that locker room. Um, seems like a Poles type of guy. All right, let's take a look at Vinny Parisi's uh, draft over at the WindyCity.com. Uh, I told him that what we were working on tonight, and he said, "Well, yeah, ask the guys if they wouldn't mind taking a look at my draft." Clearly, uh, he's going with the tried and true pick with Paris Johnson. Let's see if I can blow this up a little bit more. Um, and so I, I know what you guys are going to say about that, but let's go to round two. Clark Phillips at number 53. What say you guys about Mr. Clark Phillips that high? Well, I mean, who, who else had Clark Phillips in, in, his, in his mock draft, my friend? Must have been uh, Danny Shimon. <laughs> <laughs> So Vinny Parisi has been listening to Danny Shimon here and doing his mock draft. I like that, Vinny. Very good. And then look at that. Number 61. Guy. <laughs> My guy. I know I liked Vinny for a reason. <laughs> That's right. He, uh, 
he knows more than just uh, pucks and uh, whatever the hell, <laughs> pucks and fucks. What about Zach Pickens? Now this is a might be kind of a reach at round Six three, huh? Four. Yeah. He's he's a he's an all all teams player. He's a guy, you know, I'm sorry, all bus player. A guy that comes off the bus and you want him again first in line because he's he's got an intimidating frame, big guy, athletic. Uh, you know, maybe Neil's got some more to, to offer in terms of his background, but uh, Pickens is a guy that I think underachieved a little bit at South Carolina. Uh, definitely intriguing. A, a guy again. I'm not, I I want a, a for sure starter now. Could Zach Pickens develop into a starter eventually? Sure. Uh, but I don't know if just I feel confident 64 bringing him in and saying, all right, this guy's going to be my starting, you know, defensive tackle next year. So, but a very intriguing developmental type of prospect there. I think the the thoughts I had on him going into our senior bowl show is, was, uh, you know, he was a guy that was highly recruited coming out. Uh, I think he was, he actually was a South Carolina kid or maybe he was a Georgia kid, you know, somewhere in that, in that, you know, general area of the country. But, um, you know, he was the type of dude that, was highly regarded coming out of high school and didn't quite peak out to where we thought he was going to peak out. Um, definitely could still be a late bloomer type of kid, but I think you're, you're taking a chance with him in the third round. You, you love his measurables 1000% and did some okay things in mobile, but uh, man, um, I could, I could think of a lot of different ways to, to beef up the interior than uh, starting off with Zach Pickens. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh Man, that's a jam-packed two hours and eight-minute show. Lots of players discussed. I know, you know, people like Cliff Victoria said a big fan of mock drafts. But, you know, it is a good way to become familiar with these players. They're all going to be playing in the NFL. I don't think we talked about a single player who isn't, doesn't have a great shot at playing in the NFL. And so it's a great way to get familiar with these players. Uh, Danny Shimon, Neil Stopchinski, uh, let me get your final words. Danny, let me start with you. My, the one thing that was revealed today was was that uh, I do not want Aldo running my draft uh, <laughs> on draft night. That's one hundred percent confirmed. You said the same thing. Uh, last other year. than that, I th- I think we all we, we discussed some 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 prospects that you know are going to be potential. You know, Bears come in two weeks or from now or from from this weekend, I should say. So uh, definitely exciting. Uh, there, there's going to be a potential. I, I'm really wanting to see what Ryan Poles does again. I, I started the show talking about the microscope I have this guy under. And I, I just want to see, you know, I, so far I've, I've been lukewarm in terms of all his moves and starting from back on, you know, year one. So uh, let's, let's see if Ryan Poles, what, what are you going to do here, Ryan Poles? What, what, how are you going to set this roster up for success in, in the upcoming future? Um, you know, so far, like I said, I haven't been overwhelmed. So, um, but hopefully he, he does a you know, good job of, of pulling it through. And like I said, a lot of holes on this roster that still need to be filled. Um, defensive line is, is a huge area. He didn't touch in free agency, so we'll see what happens here in the draft. But, uh, yeah, definitely exciting times and, and uh, definitely going to have a lot more work to do on some of these prospects that we're going to be talking about probably heavily on day three, which is you know, five, rounds, five, rounds four, five, six, and seven. Cornelius says, yeah, stick to bodfathering. <laughs> I agree. <Cornelius. laughs> All right, Neil, final words, please. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Danny's right. You know, none, this is an exercise that uh, that shows that there's not a whole lot of, of uh, perfection in the projection of players, right? I did 1,249 mocks trying to find Jeez, I knew uh, it was a realistic. I knew it. Huh? I knew it was going to get over 1,000. I, I just knew it. Oh, you know, <laughs> hey, 
You're just not, you're just not paying attention. I've been saying the same number the entire time. No, uh, but no, it, I mean, you, you you do so many of these trying to find a, a realistic version of what you're probably going to find at the different positions yeah. that the Bears are going to find themselves in, in this draft, whether they whether they trade or not. And it's just hard to really you, you you end up gaming the system, trying to game the system, collecting the best combination of four, five, six, seven guys you possibly can, and that's really what these things are. But uh, it'll be interesting, you know, going forward. Um, I think we have another show next week. And as always, you know, we love doing this kind of stuff. We love you guys showing up in the chat. We love all the interaction. We love the shit talking in the chat as well. You know, Don Bird, lines can go to hell. Um, outside <laughs> of that, uh, you know, do all do all the things, man. Like, subscribe, share, hit the bell. And I don't know if Danny does, but, you know, in, in terms of another way to show your appreciation, I had the tips put on on, on my Twitter profile. So if you guys want to – you know, help us out and, you know, show appreciation for what we do. Feel free to, to hit the tip jar. Um, outside of that, you uh, you guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We got one more nice day of absolutely phenomenal weather tomorrow. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's going to be 69 and absolutely beautiful. Then we got another probably like a week long of winter before we actually get to spring. So I'm going to be enjoying my Friday. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm going to be out in the sun. I'm going to be enjoying it. Some rooftop music. It's going to be a good times. Well, good for you. I'll be working. I'll be working till about two o'clock and then I'm going to go ahead and uh, clock out for the week. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, good for you. All right, everybody. I just want to let you know that uh, our uh, coverage of uh, live programming is going to continue through the week and a special uh, hockey show, Bardon Hockey Show. The playoff seedings are going to be uh, firmed up tonight. And so Vinny Parisi and Frank Mueller will get, give you the lowdown on all the playoff pairings. And so, uh, man, it's hard to find postseason play that's better than than what the NHL offers. Even if you don't like hockey, if you watch NHL playoff hockey, you're going to fall in love with the excitement, the speed of the game. And Vinny and Frank are going to do a good good job of previewing all of the matchups for the NHL season. Today was Jonathan Tay's last game with the Chicago Bears, and so they're going to cover that as well. That's all on Sunday morning. Um, I am appearing with Swifty. Uh, he's asked me to come on his show tomorrow. I'm not sure when that show is going to go on, but follow him on uh, Twitter and follow me. We'll let you know. I'm um, not quite sure what I'm going to say, but uh, I'm going to say it. And by the way, and Danny Shibben is going to be a featured guest on the Irish Bear Show. I know Neil's been on that show before. Uh, so uh, we are all over the place, not only here on the Barroom Network, but elsewhere as well. So for all of us here at the Barroom Network, I want to thank you for joining us live and those of you listening to us on demand or watching us on demand. Take care, everybody.